The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, I thought I'd start off by reading the preface of my book, Take Control of Your Life, just to give you an idea of what this book is all about. So here it is. It's been said that it's not so much what happens to us that matters. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. In my years as a trained investigator, hostage negotiator, and international peacekeeper, I was privileged to meet and observe people from all walks of life, each with unique stories, attitudes, and experiences. I watched how an almost identical set of circumstances frequently affected individuals very differently, due in part to their backgrounds, their ability to process thoughts, and the value that they would attach to an event. I've witnessed very different responses from hostage victims who had experienced similar events, and I have marveled at the choices they made because of those events. While we are each endowed with a fundamental ability to choose our responses to whatever injustices, hardships, and dilemmas come our way, factors such as fear can and often do eat away at our confidence. The resulting indecision, if allowed to rule and dominate, can quickly become a sad pattern perpetuating itself unconsciously, which in turn can easily become a syndrome. You may not even see it coming. This is the essence of being taken hostage by yourself, whether external forces are the instigator or whether the cause lies entirely within your own personal perception. And once our self is made aware of our self-sabotage, and once our self is made aware of our self-sabotage, this becomes the pivotal moment when choosing must occur. That is, the choice to continue the powerless seeming state in which you find yourself, or to direct yourself to apply the unhostaging principles set out in this book, to follow the guideposts I offer you, and to exit the misery of being held hostage. Bear in mind that each adversity that takes you hostage can either defeat you or strengthen you, depending upon how you choose to do what it is that you want to do with it. Also bear in mind that choice, choosing, is an action. Action requires muscle, and change does not happen simply because we want it to. We must consciously exercise our minds to make it happen. We must choose the positive over the negative. The guideposts I have set out in this book will be there to lead you as you embrace this process of choosing and of change. And in the process of guiding you out of the state of hostage, this book will challenge you to become more conscious of your thoughts, of the emotions that they are evoking as you enter into your conscious mind, and of the techniques of interrupting those thoughts and emotions that cause pain or simply do not serve you or your overall goals, be they personal or professional or both. To this end, each chapter begins with a story that introduces a principle. May you enjoy the stories and learn from the principles.
That's what I'm after for you. And that is the preface of the book. If you're interested in getting it, you can check it out in any online bookstore and also you can get the audio copy of it. It is available on Audible and also on Amazon. Today I am going to broadcast a clubhouse room July 2nd, 2022. We had such amazing conversations with people who asked some pretty profound questions. And I know that you will enjoy this episode. There's so much value and my moderators are absolutely amazing people. So without any further delay, here's our clubhouse room for July 2nd, 2022. We'll get started in a couple of minutes. I wanna thank you all very, very much for joining us. Okay, thank you so much. And yes, welcome everybody. What I'm gonna do now is I'm going to invite my moderators uh, to introduce themselves and then I'll have something to add to the conversation to get us started. And we do have one hand up, we'll bring you up shortly and anybody else who wishes to come up, please uh, feel free to do so. Glenn is on a plane right now and uh, unable to speak. And his battery, actually, his, uh, his telephone battery was uh, dying as he spoke. So I see that he's dropped off. And, uh, well, we wish him the very, very best. Uh, traveling these days can be very difficult, but uh, worth it. So thank you so much. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, King, for an introduction. And then you can pass it on to Robert and then Candice, and we'll get started. Oops, sorry, I was typing. Um, so yeah, hello, uh, thank you so much, uh, everyone. Uh, my name's King and I'm a social media and communication strategist and travel blogger. And I've, every week um, for about a year and a half now, Paul and I have been running these rooms and I've just been learning so much from all the amazing people that have come by and also all the very brave people that do come and share um, with their uh, challenges and struggles. And um, once again, I'm just happy to be able to contribute where I can uh, with any uh, of, you know, anything that I've been through. And I definitely know that I, you know, I'm very good at self-sabotage. So hopefully some of my experiences can help yours. And with that, I want to pass things over to Robert to introduce himself. So Robert, if you are ready, the stage is yours. Thank you, King. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> good morning, all. Good morning, Candice. Um, my name is Robert Nadeau. I am Paul's brother. Um, I uh, have been coming to this room now for probably about uh, three or four months uh, in, 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 that, uh, in that vicinity. Um, and uh, initially I came to kind of uh, see what my brother was up to because I've been following his career um, and uh, was quite impressed with the quality of uh, moderators, the quality of guests that were coming up, the questions that were being answered, the sensitivity with which uh, issues, very sensitive issues were being handled, the professionalism. Um, a bit about me, my background. Uh, I am a lawyer by day. I am an entertainer by night. I'm a mentalist. Now, for those who don't know what a mentalist is, if you've ever watched America's Got Talent, you've seen mentalism is a kind of magic. My tagline is magic for the intelligent mind. I like to perform. It's mind magic. I like to perform for more sophisticated, more intelligent audiences. I don't pull rabbits out of hats or saw pretty ladies in hats. Um, I really, it's, it's more mind magic. Um, and my background though, and, and what I bring to this room, I think, is my background is in philosophy. My undergrad was in the history of philosophy and science. 
And I'm a, I've been a, li a lifelong student of critical thinking. I have a critical thinking uh, page on my Facebook uh, group. Uh, so to me, critical thinking is such an important uh, skill for people to develop in this crazy world that we live in. Um, but last but not least, I, I, as I'm fond of saying, almost inevitably when uh, the room is over and, and we leave, uh, I have learned uh, a whole lot more than I have contributed. And so with that, I turn it over to Candice. Awesome. Thanks so much, Robert. And happy Saturday to everyone. I hope everyone's had a great start to their weekend so far. And I'd like to just echo what Robert said. I always leave these calls learning more than I feel I've contributed and just appreciate uh, that Paul and King has provided this safe space and appreciate all the vulnerable conversations and topics that come up. Um, just a little brief about myself. I'm a certified uh, business leadership coach and personal executive coach. I have a focus on emotional intelligence within my practice, which is really about self-awareness, where I feel I can contribute a little bit to this room. It really is about having a self-awareness and understanding how we all self-sabotage ourselves. I know um, I've been guilty more than a ton of times of doing it myself, and no matter how we self-sabotage ourselves, they may look different, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a challenge that we all face and have to overcome and appreciate that we've got this space to support each other and share our experiences and really just so much gratitude to my fellow moderators and you know all the wisdom that they share every Saturday and uh, with that I see Dr. Allison is joined so I'll pass the mic over to her. Thank you Candice. Um, my name is Dr. Allison O'Cluffy. Um, thank you so much Paul and King for hosting this room. Um, I'm looking forward to everyone sharing today. These conversations are so rich, um, so valuable. And even if you don't share and you just sort of hang out, you know, um, you know, on the listening lounge, um, there's so much to learn. And when Paul goes into his soliloquies, um, there's so many nuggets of wisdom there. So I encourage you to stay for the entire uh, duration of the room, which is two hours, and I'm looking forward to what everyone has to say. If you want to learn more about me, please visit my bio. Well, thank you all very, very much, and I always appreciate everyone being here. Just wanted to say that the information shared here today uh, by any of our speakers is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical or psychiatric advice or diagnosis or treatment. So please always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified health or mental wellness physician or other qualified health care professional if you are struggling with something. Uh, we're here to share from our hearts and from our knowledge, but we are not a substitute for professional assistance. So I just wanted to bring that disclaimer out and thank everyone once again for being here. I'm Paul Nadeau, and yes, I'm Robert's brother. I'm so glad that he's joined us because he always brings some valuable information here. And I am a former hostage negotiator. I was also uh, a detective for several years in the Special Victims Unit. Over the course of my career and in life, I've learned a lot of lessons. Uh, my brother and I uh, went through hell when we were kids, and we learned a lot from that as well. But it's not so much what happens to us that matters as how we respond to what happens to us that does. When I was thinking about starting a room after my good friend King had introduced me to Clubhouse, I thought, what could serve people? 
And I have been a victim of self-sabotage for many, many years. And from time to time, I'm still a victim of it. However, I know now how to handle it and how to dispute the thoughts that come into my head. And I thought, you know, that might be a great way of sharing something that I have to give. And hopefully everybody else can benefit from it. And I too, as has been said by Robert and Candice and Dr. Allison and King, we always get something from this room. Life is not always easy, but it is what we make of it. And that's the important thing that we have to keep in mind. When I think of the definition of sabotage, for example, sabotage includes to deliberately destroy or damage or obstruct something. And we hear about it in the news. Somebody sabotaged this, this factory, an explosion happened, whatever. It's an act of deliberation in which someone wanted to stop something. They wanted to damage or destroy something. When I think of self-sabotage, what we go through, how can it be deliberate? It can be deliberate when we are aware that we're doing it. And awareness is power. And this is what we need to start to do is to examine our lives and to start to see where it is that we are sabotaging ourselves and then take positive action not to. So if you allow self-sabotage to continue, when you're aware of it, you are committing a deliberate act of self-sabotage. And it happens when we, it refers to our behaviors really and our thought patterns. And it refers to how we allow certain thoughts to obstruct us and to prevent us from moving forward and living the life that we deserve to live. Glenn has said that this is a beautiful life and Glenn was here just a few moments ago it is a gift, but not only is it a gift, it's an assignment. Life is an assignment. We are assigned to do something in this world. What is it that you are assigned to do? For me, part of my assignment is to help each and every one of you wherever I possibly can. And I get that in return in, in, in such great ways. Let's take a look at some of the examples of self-sabotage. And when I go through this list, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger every time somebody shares. So I've added a couple things to it. I won't take too long, folks, but it's valuable. It's really important. When I go through this list, I ask you, examine your life for a moment. Just see if one of these resonate with you and you're thinking, aha, that's what I'm doing. And if that's what you're doing, you're in the right place because we're going to help you shift that mindset, that one of self-sabotage, into one in which you get to move beyond the sabotage to live that life that you do deserve to live. So here's a couple of examples. Blaming others when things go wrong. And this is this is one that I've done in the past too. Something went wrong, well, it's it's his fault or it's, it's the way that I was brought up or it's, it's the boss. It, it's always somebody else's fault and not our own. What we must do is to really examine what went wrong and to admit when we perhaps have contributed to that and just to accept the fact that we can often make mistakes and that we can change the behavior in order not to make it again. So when things go wrong, let's not be pointing the finger immediately at other people. Let's take a deep breath. Let's take a look at our own lives and say, okay, what went wrong here and what was my involvement in this? and be strong enough, man up or woman up to say, okay, you know what? I messed up, 
I'm going to do better because I can. That's how easy it is. Not being accountable to yourself or to others, making promises and not following through on them. Your word should be your bond. And if you say that you're going to do something, do it. If somebody else tells you that they're going to do something and they let you down, it's all right to talk to them about it in a loving way. Hey, you said you were going to do this. When can I expect that? Or what's going on? Just asking certain questions. But remember that you are as important as anybody else out there. There is nobody in this world who is more worthy of love, of success, of anything than you. And this is where we sometimes fall short. We think and we compare ourselves to others. Well, that person deserves much more because they're established, they're this, they're that. Comparison can be a very self-sabotaging behavior, a thought pattern that somebody else's life is better than ours. When we examine our own lives, what, what, what must we do? Again, what must I do to get this job, to get this, this consideration, to get this relationship? What changes must I make in my own life? Because I'm as worthy as anybody else. We have to value ourselves. Another one is choosing to walk away when things don't go right. Very much like blaming others when things go wrong, we walk away. We don't deal with it. Hey, too much for me, I'm out of here. And you're not dealing with the problem. Does the problem go away? Not likely. It's going to stay until we choose to find the strength within ourselves to make a change and to really go for it and say, okay, I need to deal with this. Another one is procrastination. When we procrastinate, oh, this is far too big. This is far too big for me to handle. I don't know how I'm going to do this, so I'm not going to do it at all. Well, why not start small and keep building on that? Procrastination can be a big self-saboteur, and it's up to us to recognize when it happens and to take the appropriate action to make things happen in our own lives. It's not going to happen on its own. We need to do that ourselves. Another one is when we're not seen, heard, or validated. And this doesn't apply to everybody, but applies to some people. One of the most important things that human beings are looking for is to be seen and heard and appreciated. These are things that we need out of life. We want to be seen. We want to be validated. If we are not feeling that in a relationship with others, sometimes we'll pick fights just to be seen and to be heard as opposed to approaching that and just saying, hey, can we talk? I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling as though you're seeing me. I'm not feeling as though you're and having that conversation that needs to be had. So picking fights with friends or partners when you're not seen or felt or validated is wrong. It's time to approach that in a different way. Another one is, is dating people that you know aren't right for you. Now, a lot of this comes down to our personal vibrations. We are energy, folks, and we, when we feel a certain way about ourselves, for example, if you don't feel worthy, there's a certain vibration that you're going to send out into the world, and people are going to pick up on it. The science of this, I don't know enough about, but I do know that it is true, is that if you send out a particular vibration of unworthiness, or I'm not this, you're going to attract people who are likely very similar to you. And so you're going to go back to the relationships that are toxic and that are hurtful for you because you're sending out that vibration.
It's like saying that all men or all women are just, you know, they're not this, they're not that, they're cheaters, they're this. When you have that state of mind, that's the type of person you're going to attract into your life. It's just that that easy. It's called the law of attraction, and I don't know enough about it, but I am studying it. Be aware of the vibrations that you're sending out, and remember that you are in a position to change whatever it is in your life that you need to change. We can do that. We can send out vibrations of worthiness, of love, of support, of belief in ourselves. And this is what it means to take control of your life. That's what it is. Now, another one is trouble stating our needs and desires. And, and this is a big one. I've mentioned this before that in the very beginning of the room, and for some reason it's not happened too often since then, but King and I used to have students uh, in particular, or adults who are now in careers that they absolutely hate to the point where they feel depressed. Why? Because their parents encouraged them. And I'm going to use that word encouraged as a very, very weak word. It's a lot more than that. Demanded is more like it, that they become a doctor, that they become a lawyer, that they become something that they didn't want to be because that wasn't their stripes. And yet they did it. And now they're living with the regret and the just the uh, sadness of having chosen that walk in life. Several years were spent in university doing something that they didn't want to do. And now they're at a, at a spot in their life where they're not happy. And some people have taken their lives because they were not able to state their needs and desires. This applies to family members as well. When something doesn't go right, you don't state your needs and desires with them or friends or at work. Imagine this in romantic relationships you aren't honest with your significant other or the person that you're interested in dating long term so you keep it to yourself is that going to go away not likely so the importance of stating our needs and desires is is huge we need to do that even in everyday interactions another one that has been brought up here more than once is blaming and shaming ourselves for things that have happened to us or that we've done in the past. We're not perfect. We are wonderful human beings. We are human becomings. But when we make an error, when we hurt somebody, when something doesn't go right, and we know that the blame kind of, well, I'm not going to beat around the bush. When we look at ourselves, we say, yeah, I goofed up. One of the things to do is to obviously ask for forgiveness from the person that you hurt. Then you have to forgive yourself. But if you go back and take a look at what's happened and you keep blaming and shaming yourself, I could have, I should have, I've done this, I shouldn't have, then that is an act of self-sabotage. I want to remind everybody that as long as you are in a growth mindset, learning from the mistakes that we've made in the past, as long as you are changing that behavior, then you are no longer that person. You are standing on the shoulders of that person. You are a brand new human being, human becoming, and you are moving beyond that. To go back and blame your sh and shame yourself for something that happened six months or a year ago serves you nothing but sorrow, and it really can take the energy out of living the life that you deserve to be. Look at yourself. If you messed up, admit it, admit it to yourself, ask for forgiveness, forgive yourself and move on because you're a new creature. You're a human becoming. I want you to remember that. Another one is putting ourselves down. 
And we, we do this often. And I know that I do this from time to time, almost every week, something comes into my mind. It may be, well, I can't do anything right. Or why does this always happen to me? You know, it doesn't happen to anybody else, but it happens to me. Why is that? Or I won't make it. So why should I even try? Maybe it's time for me to give up. No, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to give up. Or nobody loves me. Everybody hates me and, and you know, I'm, I'm not accepted out there. So I'm just going to stay at home. I'm not worthy is a big one. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of that. These are thoughts that come into our mind that must be policed and disputed. We need to take control of those thought patterns and change the thought pattern into something positive to start our days off intentionally and to remind ourselves that we are as worthy as anybody else. And as soon as those little buggers get into our heads, it's time for us as the tenants of our own thoughts to remove them and to put them somewhere else because they're not welcome in your mind. What is welcome in your mind are those positive thoughts that you tell yourself, those positive affirmations that you tell yourself and the way in which you treat yourself. That's what's welcome, the good way in which you treat yourself. Now, not being ready to receive something, always be ready to receive something great. Sometimes we feel that we're not worthy, but we are. The moment that you start believing that there's something great out there for you is the moment that, that greatness will come into your life and argue your self-imposed limitations because if you don't dispute them they will get the better of you and this is what this room is dedicated to and if you do have those self-imposed limitations that you've been struggling with they're lying to you just want to let you know that transformation and evolvement happen only when you choose it to happen. And that's what this room is all about. I see that Jeremy has joined us as a moderator. Before I go over to Isaiah, I'd like to welcome Jeremy and have him introduce himself to you. So thanks for listening, folks. Oh, Paul, it's so good to be here, my friend. And I was looking in the back channel of what Canadian butter tarts were, and I was quite excited about that. That's a side note, though. Um, I am, I'm always excited to be here on Saturdays whenever I can catch it, because Everything that Paul was just talking about is, is so important. And there's so many people that feel those same feelings. And it's, and it's totally okay. It's totally okay to be in whatever season you're in. But whenever you have an opportunity to be around awesome people and ask a good question, it can really bring out something in yourself. Or it can bring out something in somebody else. And there's a perspective that you may need to hear today that's going to come from another question on stage. Or that's going to come from yourself in a way where it's like it, it comes to you in like a download. And you'll be on stage and you'll be like, you know, I've never asked this question before in this way, but something's telling me right now that like maybe I am doing some form of self-sabotage or maybe I am doing some form of holding my own self back based on this fear of a lack of money or this fear of lack of resources or lack of people that are going to come into my life. And if there's a little bit of a pattern that seems to happen over and over and over again in our lives, I just invite you to look into it and be like, and be, and just be open to not changing today and be like, okay, my life's going to be different forever again for today from one conversation, but it might start to roll in the right direction and tune into a different frequency. So I just get excited for people. I think I'm gonna start with that. I'm a, I'm a, for those who don't know me, I'm a professional athlete and I'm down in uh, California right now training with my trainer in the off season. And I just applied to also work at a, a nice high-end restaurant while I'm down here, which was fun because I walked in literally did an in-person interview and they're like, well, we don't usually hire people like you, but you seem really confident. Like, why are you so confident? And I was like, well, because I know that I've been in pressure packed situations before and I know how to come through for people. 
my job is like what Kobe Bryant said. When I show up, I want you to look at me when I have the ball or when I'm doing something in a pressure-packed moment and be like, oh, Jeremy's got it. And I hope that all of you in this room have that desire in your life where people look at you and they're like, ah, Dr. Amy's got it. Everything's good. Or Deborah's got it. Things are going to be okay. Because that's a great feeling in the world to feel trust because that's a validation that doesn't even need words. So it's great to be here. And, all, and uh, please tell me about more about those Canadian butter tarts with Dr. Allison in the back channel because those sound delicious. <laughs> well, they, they certainly are. Um, I see that Dr. Amy has uh, joined us in, uh, in the lounge and I'm inviting her up because she's amazing and I hope that she takes the invitation comes up. So we're going to go over to Isaiah, but I would like to just uh, mention that let's keep our shares to about two or three minutes. And this is popcorn style for our moderators. So any one of you just jump in at any time. And once we're done with a speaker, um, we'll just uh, tuck you gently back into the audience, but we invite anybody to come up. So please uh, do come up. Isaiah, it's always nice to see you. Welcome to the stage. The microphone is over to you, sir. Hi, Paul. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me. I just want to share some updates from the last um, time that I've been here. Um, so I managed to do a couple of things and just focused on self-improvement um, with uh, uh, fitness and some other things that I'm currently engaging with. And uh, I found it to be beneficial in a way that I'm just focused on myself and not just um, not focused on other people's uh, lives and what's happening with them. Um, and uh, I just wanted to get some uh, thoughts on how I can um, continue that um, because it's uh, still something that I managed to reduce, but then it, it, it the, the, the envy kind of like comes up every now and then, um, especially if I have um, friends who have new achievements, new milestones um, in, in their lives. And um, one of the things that you mentioned earlier, Paul, about um, self-sabotage is uh, about comparisons. Um, so uh, like how can I be consistent in terms of uh, not focusing on other people's uh, accomplishments and just uh, focus on my own. So that's um, just my question for now and a bit of update. Thank you. Thank you, Isaiah. That's a great question. It comes down to uh, how do we stop really comparing ourselves to other people and feeling maybe a little bit inferior uh, on that. Uh, would that be an accurate summation of what you said, Isaiah? Yes, it is. You know, like um, feeling that your life is not worth, um, worthless or not exciting as other people's lives. You bet. I, I know that. Thank you, Isaiah. That's a great question because I know a lot of people struggle with that. We don't have to go far uh, to, to see that. Uh, even going to a great application like Instagram can make us feel that way when we see other people who appear to be, appear to be living a more exciting life than us. I want to open it up to my moderators. Anybody want to join in on this one? Uh, start the conversation. Yes, Candice. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. And welcome, Isaiah. Thanks so much for joining us here today and for bringing forward your question. I think it's something that we can probably all say at one time we've done. You know, for uh, my suggestion for you is really honing in on on what your own strengths are 
we're all very unique individuals. We all have development opportunities. We're always in a position of continuing learning and growth. But what makes us each unique and interesting and, and amazing is, you know, what our strengths are. And so I would love for you to give some an intentional and purposeful thought to doing some self-reflection and really identifying where you feel you shine the most. And one of the ways I can maybe recommend that you do that is starting a gratitude journal if that's not something that you've done before. And if you're not comfortable, you know, writing your thoughts down, even looking in the mirror at the beginning or at the end of every day and just saying to yourself, of something I'm really excited that I did today was or something about myself that I'm really proud of is and it's really starting to shift the mindset and change your behavior and thinking more about what you're proud about of yourself and what you've done that makes you special versus focusing maybe some of your energy and time on what other people have so I hope that helps and would love to hear if that's something that you'd be interested in doing I'd like to jump in next, Isaiah. Um, when I was younger, I used to fall into the comparing my insides to other people's outsides. And I would see this facade of this lifestyle and think, oh my God, you know, I want what they have, but I was very materialistic and very shallow. And when I looked deeper, um, the individuals who had everything I thought I wanted were not living happy lives that they were not satisfied. And I remember having this wake up call when Halle Berry went through her first divorce. <laughs> I remember thinking she's married to whatever baseball player she was married to at the time. And I just thought, how could that happen? And then when she went through her second divorce and then this third breakup, I remember as a kid thinking, oh my God, this woman is so gorgeous. She's a famous actress and her personal life is garbage. And it just, the message got really clear to me that it, it isn't all the outside trappings. It's nothing about what you see outside of a person. It's who the person is. And so there's no benefit in comparing our insides to other people's outsides. And so setting those kind of expectations for ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, is always um, bound to let us down because it's an impossible standard to live up to and it sets this impossible expectation. Um, and it's the I shoulda, I woulda, I couldas. And those are never ever helpful for um, internal personal growth. And I think in these rooms, you know, ever since I've been in this room as a listener at first, um, I've listened to you share and, you know, a lot of times we take two steps forward and we take one step back and then we, we get frustrated and then we, you know, try again and, and we feel like we're not making progress, especially when it comes to our families. And I know you've shared about this, um, but growth isn't always linear. You know, sometimes we take these side paths and they work out and we find a new trail or we have to backtrack and take other paths. And I, I think sometimes it's giving ourselves the patience and the grace to, you know, to regroup, to reflect on what went well, to move forward um, with some more information about ourselves. But all of this work is really an inside journey. It's a, it's a inside work. And that's the hardest work because we're in such denial about so many things. We, we may not be happy about ourselves. Um, I know for me, I had to stop fighting the world. I remember being young and feeling like I needed to go out and 
fight for things. And it, it just set up this like very aggressive facade that I didn't realize I was projecting. And so a lot of times when we have to do this internal work and we can do it ourselves, we can do it with a friend, we can do it with a coach, we can do it with a therapist, it, whatever, whoever you want to work with. But a lot of it is reflecting on where you are now and what impacted you. So we have to look at the what's going on, what values, what thoughts, what beliefs, what behaviors are, can be attributed to our primary caretaker and what are truly the ones we want. And the ones that we want um, don't have to be the ones that are aware of our primary caretaker. And those are the ones we have to work on discarding and letting go of, and then bringing in the new um, aspects that we want and bringing them on just like a new pair of clothes or a new pair of shoes. We try them on, we stretch them out. We only wear them for an hour for one day because they might pinch in the toe or something. And then we, as we get more comfortable with them, it becomes part of our, our personality, part of who we are, part of what, what's next for us. And I, I think this journey for you is, you know, has been, it's, you know, not always smooth, not always easy, but that's life. And that's why it's so beautiful because we love it when it's fabulous and it's smooth. And, um, but our growth and our resilience is found in those challenges. So I wish you well, and I, I hope you keep coming back. Thank you. Um, Jeremy and then Robert. Yeah, I think the, the one thing I was going to say to Isaiah is, um, is but one of my mentors told me one time, and he said, the things that we see in other people, a lot of times is something we have already in ourselves as far as the mirror principle, but we haven't accepted it in our form. And so when he used to tell me, when he used to watch, watch me run my rooms, he was like, you have the ability to connect with so many people and create cult and cultivate a community. And he goes, I have the ability to connect my mind and to cultivate ideas. And so sometimes when we see something in others, it's because we see it in ourselves and we are proud of it in ourselves as well. It just shows up in a completely different way and we haven't accepted that. And so I remember when, and for myself, when I used to be such a nice guy and I always felt like I was walked on in the world a little bit and I was paying attention to what other people were doing. And I didn't realize there was actually a humongous superpower that I had that was a part of the masculine that I was stepping into. It was more of a, a divine masculine. It was more of a power driven through love versus driven through power. And then I found that once I found that version of my power, everything duplicated at a level that I could never imagine. So I think sometimes it's seeing the things that's already inside of ourselves, but in our way that we see in other people. And it's a kind of a fun task now, because now when you see someone else's and what what you admire about them, you can be like, oh, that's cool. What's a word that might describe that? Like the way that Paul is is orchestrating the beginning of his rooms and the way how professional it is. I can be like, okay, it's professional. It's orchestrating. What are the things that I do in my life that are like that? And now it becomes like a fun way to look at other people and look at the power that they have. And you almost want to see the good in other people versus see it as a comparison of something that you're lacking. So hopefully that can help somebody else in the room as well. Maybe not even just Isaiah. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Robert? Yeah, thank you, Paul. <clears throat> and um, interesting, as I was uh, listening to Jeremy, because I was going to be responding to uh, uh, adding uh, to uh, Dr. Allison's very helpful uh, explanation. Um, but Jeremy just kind of reinforced uh, what I was about to say. Uh, those who have been here uh, more than once know that 
my starting point on just about every single question, every single issue, every single challenge that we have is self-examination. Um, my, my model is Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. So Isaiah, um, I guess what I'm gonna ask you is, you know, this, this process of self-examination is not easy, but it's not difficult either, but it does take a conscious, a very, very conscious effort to do it, to stop ourselves and to say, okay, who am I? And so, and one way, one way, and I'm sure there are others, but one way to get at that, and I'm about to ask you a question. One way to get at that is to ask ourselves, what is my passion? What makes me happy? What drives me? You know, what brings a smile to uh, a smile to my face and a song to my heart? So if you were to look at yourself, what are the things, the one, two, the one or two or three at the most things that just, and especially the main one that just kind of automatically just brings a smile to, you, to, your, to your face and a song to your heart when you encounter it? Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah's not there. I think that's I think that's the place to start because I think I think when when we when we identify that when we identify what it is in us that um, uh, really drives us, then I think we're at the beginning of self examination. And then what we do is we unpack that and we pursue that. Okay. And so with that, Paul, I'm going to turn it back to you. Thank you. I was uh, struggling with the uh, button there. Uh, what a great question. Uh, Isaiah, did you catch uh, Robert's question to you? Isaiah, are you still there? Uh, yes, uh, I'm sorry. I'm having issues with the button, with the mic earlier. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. Um, I, I managed to catch the question and, um, and some of the things that I'm passionate about currently is um, writing and um, learning about um, human behavior and the social sciences. Um, so yeah, those are the things that I can name for now. Yeah. All right, excellent. Uh, King, I saw that you unmuted. Go ahead. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, I, uh, one quick uh, little activity I you know might want to suggest uh, that you might want to think about trying is because instead of uh, sort of, you know, for whoever it is, I'm assuming these are mostly friends and family, instead of sort of being upset about the things that they might have or the things that, you know, they, that, uh, or, or judging yourself for things they, they might have that you either might have or might want, look for a way maybe to find a way to make it into a positive thing. And what I mean is, you know, if a friend of yours has something that, you know, you're like, oh, you know, I, you know, I, I wish I had that, change it around to find a way to be happy for them or to be proud of them for having that, you know, that thing with that accomplishment. Um, it's definitely something that in, for me that I started doing a little while back as well, because sometimes you can't help but to sort of feel a little bit, you know, jealous or a little bit inferior or whatever. But instead of focusing it on myself, because, you know, someone, you know, accomplishing something or somebody having something usually has nothing to do with me, but it's great for them. So, you know, if a friend of mine, you know, uh, manages to, scale Mount Everest, I'll be really proud of them. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because, you know, now look, you know, obviously they did a lot of hard work to make that happen. It's not something that was just given to them. And I, I think, you know, oftentimes we, if we think something just came easily for someone or something that was gifted to them, then it's easier to be upset with them about it. But if you actually look at it, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, 
you know, they had to work hard for it. It wasn't something necessarily that they had to, uh, that that was given to them. I, I think that makes it a little bit easier to be happy for them and to be proud of them for their accomplishments. But of course, sometimes people are just gifted things, but that's okay too, because, you know, it could be, you know, if they get something that they really want, it makes them happy. You're just happy that they're happy because they're your friend or they're your family member. And so, you know, maybe, tr you know, try, try to, you know, it's, it's, it's always hard to do that, but maybe try to change the reaction that you have to it uh, just a little bit, just so that maybe it'll turn into something positive instead of always being something negative for you. So I just want to add that for you, Isaiah. Thank you. And um, thank you all. I have a couple of things that I'd like to add to this conversation as well, because it is something that happens to a lot of people. Uh, when we think about it, when we compare ourselves to other people, we're actually allowing them to drive our behavior and our emotions, aren't we? We're kind of letting them take control of us and to dictate how we are feeling about ourselves. We're comparing ourselves to someone who's totally different. The only person that we should be comparing ourselves to is ourselves. And if you want to compare, compare yourself to the person that you were yesterday or six months ago. That's where you should be doing your, your comparisons. It's like Robert said, the importance is to examine our lives to see, okay, am I a better version of myself than I was just yesterday or six months ago or a year ago? And if you're not, it's time to do that work. Life becomes uh, about being a better version of yourself. Uh, so upgrade our personal operating system is what's really important, is if I'm not happy with where I am right now, what must I do to become happy? What must I work on to become happy? And a lot of us are not using the gifts that we've been given to make a difference in our lives. A lot of us, I'm just gonna go into this, we think it's too overwhelming. Again, a little bit of self-sabotage here is that if you're focusing too much on other people's lives, you're not focusing enough on your own. And maybe as was mentioned, I believe by, it was Candice or Dr. Allison who said, uh, writing in a journal about the feelings and thoughts that you're having is great. Starting our day off with gratitude, a lot of people miss this. What are you grateful for? There's so much to be grateful for. And if we don't spend any time in our day to look at the things that we're surrounded by, the people that we're surrounded by, to be grateful, then we are missing out. And this is when we can fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to others. You know, I've, it, when I walk, I live in a busy city of Toronto, Ontario, and outside my door, I can walk 10 feet and find a homeless person. If I'm gonna compare myself to someone, I look at them and I say, by the grace of God, go I, and I feel bad for their situation. And then I am grateful for mine. And how can I help myself and others to live that life that they deserve to live? So it's, time for us to not compare ourselves to others, but to focus our attention on ourselves and who we want to become. And I have said this in our room before many, many times. At the end of my life, and think about your own, at the end of our lives, do we want to be surrounded by the ghost of missed opportunities or the ghosts of regret who say, you know, you could have brought us to life. You could have brought this book out, this song out, this journal out, this whatever it is that you want. Don't focus on what you don't have. 
Focus on what you do have and focus on what you can have and who you can become because I am is stronger than I want. And so become the I am in your life. I am worthy. I am amazing. We've all been programmed to think, hey, I'm a good worker. I'm a good husband. I'm a good boyfriend. I'm a good girlfriend. No, change it to I am an outstanding and then live up to that. So if you're not happy with where you are right now, start to program your mind to saying it's temporary and I am greater than my circumstances and I am worthy, as worthy as they are. And why should I look at them and compare myself to them when all I have to do is look at my own life and compare myself to me? That's what matters. The recipe for unhappiness lies not in, outside of us, it lies inside of us as does the recipe for happiness. We get to choose our own happiness. That comes from inside. Anything external remains external. What matters is what we think, what we believe, and what we do. That's what really matters. So stop comparing, and I'm, I'm not talking to you uh, specifically, Isaiah, to anyone. Stop comparing yourself to what others have. Be grateful for what you have, and really, truly exercise that, that attitude of gratitude and see how life will change. It doesn't matter what they're doing. What they're doing, if they're on a boat, on a yacht, on this, on that, hey, way to go. That's great. I'm going to spend two seconds thinking about you because that's about how much time you're going to be thinking about me. But I'm going to focus on what I can do and what I can achieve and who I can become. Because I'm comparing myself to the Paul Nadeau that existed six months ago, and I am a different man than he is. Why? Because I'm building. I'm a human becoming. Let's remember that. Anyone else in my moderators want to add to this conversation? Okay. Um, I'll get King to, um, oh, Isaiah, is there anything that you would like to add to this? And uh, did we serve you with this answer? Yes, very much. Yeah, thank you. I've taken out everything. Isaiah, you're amazing. And I really appreciate that you come up here. You've come up here and you've shown courage. And there's a lot to you. And I hope that you can see that because others see it in you. Sometimes we don't we don't see what other people can see in us. But when you come up into this room and you really share from your heart, and sometimes you know, you're struggling, but we're all with you and we're all there to support you. And when we see that you're making this progress, it just brings joy to our hearts. So never forget, man, that you matter and that you are worthy and that you deserve it. And please, if there's anything that you can do this week to start changing that comparison pattern that you have just don't focus on others focus on yourself and just ask yourself in every day what is it that i can do to bring my happiness out because happiness is internal and i remember uh, dr roshnak had a wonderful uh, room on this along with jacqueline i believe it was on happiness and it was just amazing because it does come from within so thank you isaiah i really appreciate you and i'm going to tuck you back into the audience feel free to come back up and King, I'm going to turn it over to you for a reset, and then we're going to go on to Peter. 
Thanks so much, Paul. Um, yes, welcome to everyone who has joined us in the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room, which of course is hosted by the Take Control of Your Life Club. So if you aren't already a member of the club, tap on the greenhouse above my head and become a member. That way you'll be notified whenever we do run these and other rooms. And of course, um, if do you know of anyone that might be interested in our conversation, definitely ping them into the room. And if you could also share the room here on Clubhouse or any other social media that you're um, comfortable with sharing that'd be great just to help us get the word out about all the amazing and uh, you know just insight that uh, comes out of this room and also from my amazing moderators and of course um, if you do want to come up and share something on stage we think I think we might have room for one more so uh, if you were thinking of coming up just raise up your hand and we'll bring you up and of course we do try to keep these rooms at about two hours long just to be respectful of everyone's time so if you are thinking of coming up on stage I'd rather I do it rather sooner rather than later but of course if you aren't able to speak the room chats are open so you can always pop your thoughts and your questions in there and we'll do our best to address them as uh, as the room goes along but i also uh oh, there we go i think so that is our final jacob is our final person on stage thank you so much and uh so um where was i and of course yes uh thank you so much to uh everyone for being here of course and of course if you um, you know if if you do want to share in the room chats, they are still open. Will remain open for the entire room. So uh, thank you so much for uh, all the activity in there and for sharing. And also, I one thing I always say to everyone: take a look around the room. Obviously, my amazing moderators up here are just fantastic people, and you know you should definitely follow them all. And uh, but look around in the room as well because there's a lot of great people on Clubhouse that are not on stage and, you know, look to your left, look to your right, read everyone's bios, take a look at their stories. And if someone's story resonates with yours, give them a follow because obviously Clubhouse looks at, uh, you know, the algorithms, look at the people you follow, the rooms you go into, the clubs you belong to, and that's how they curate your experience here. And if you follow amazing people, you're going to have an amazing experience here. So make sure you give those people a follow. And also, I always encourage everyone to make sure that you follow people off platform as well. Follow them on their Instagram, follow them on their Twitter. It gives you a chance to get to know them better. It gives you a chance to reconnect with them more. And also, once again, for whatever reason, should the Clubhouse platform not be here in a month or a year, it makes sure that, you know, it ensures that you won't lose contact with uh, these amazing people that you've met here. So definitely give them a follow, not just here on Clubhouse, but also on Instagram and on Twitter as well. So, um, and also we may actually start uh, running some of these rooms out of Twitter spaces as well. So that if that's, uh, if you're enjoying this, uh, that's a little bit of extra encouragement for you to uh, jump on Twitter if you haven't already been there because uh, Twitter spaces uh, obviously is very similar to Clubhouse and it is growing quite a bit as well and it's become very popular. Poplar. So uh, checked out Twitter spaces at some point as well. And so with that, I think that I've covered everything. And uh, so, Paul, I will hand uh, the microphone back over to you. Well, thank you, King. Great reset as always. I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge everybody here. Peter, Murray, Michael, Paul. I see Dr. Roshanak has joined us. Eleni has joined us. Uh, Jake is, Jacob is up on uh, stage. Uh, Biruta. We have Isaiah that came up. Michelle Berna, you're always here. Thank you so much. Uh, Ferry Hitomi, Taisy, <laughs> Kay, and Deborah, and Dr. Amy, and Mustafa, Frederick, Kate, uh, Liliana, Nicole, Paul, Tim, uh, Amy, and uh, Bershad, uh, Beshad, and Claudia, and Kim, Marilyn, Catherine, Amy, uh, Imable, Anthony, Bruce, Patricia, Tim, guys, 
Thank you so much, Marilyn, who is brand new to it. Thank you so much for joining us, Marco, Abs uh, Absud, and Robin, and Nicole, and Carolina, and Shirlita. Dr. Visser is here, Jelena, and uh, Srijesh. I got that one wrong, I'm sure. Wolf, Grace, Neri, Paulina, Avnit, and there's one, I can't make out the name, but they're new, so welcome. David, Sandra, Deborah, uh, Donjil, and Nikolai, Ahmad, and Gada. Those are the ones who are here now, and if I butchered your name, I am sorry, but I so appreciate that each and every one of you have taken your time here today to join us. Thank you, you are always welcome. We see you and we appreciate you, so thanks. And I'm going to turn it over to Peter, who I haven't seen in a while. Peter, over to you. Hey, Paul, mods, everybody. Um, three quick points, Paul. Uh, number one, you, King Robert, happy Canada Day for yesterday, part of our great Commonwealth. I would sing you your beautiful anthem, but I won't tonight, just to keep it short. Also want to thank the room for sending your wellness intentions to my mate Bruce in Townsville. He's kicking on like a master, which is gorgeous. Uh, my third point is, um, and King spoke to me about this, my mother's just been recently, she had the visions or the visitors or the things she did in her home and she's been recently put into a aged care facility. She's comfortable. Um, I think my point is the family's not happy with that wall. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of distress and argument going on within the family. But I think my point is I just don't want to participate. I'm just standing back like I came in all singing or dancing that the war with my brother is over and it's kind of not over. But I'm just not participating because I simply got nothing to give right now. So I'm just standing back. I watch out for mum, I can go visit her in the facility, but I don't want to talk to anybody right now because I'm just tired and um, <clears throat> there's got to be some level of, of um, it's just, <clears throat> normally I just jump in and participate, but I just don't want to fight. So that's where I'm at, Paul, mm. over. Thank you, Peter, and uh, always uh, nice to see you. Yeah, conflict in family or elsewhere can be really draining, and sometimes we do have to take a little bit of a break before we decide to move in, in one way or another. Uh, do any one of my moderators want to uh, add anything to the conversation? Peter, it's always great to see you and uh, to hear your voice. Uh, is there anyone who want to add something? Dr. Roshnak. Thanks so much. Hi. Um, just a quick question for you, Peter. Um, so there's this schism between, I guess, you and your brother and the way that you're approaching the care of your mom. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're in a self-sabotage room. So may I ask you which part of this is somewhat related here or what you're looking for? Oh. I would like my mother to be happy with her situation and be well. But she was put into this situation and 
Um, I, I just want to, don't want to waste people's time, but I'm being directed by my sister and she is very passionate and closer to my mother than I am and we have not been consulted. And so are you looking for a way to empower yourself? Are you looking for a way no, to No, no, I just want to sit back and do... No, I just want to do the best that I can do and offer the best that I can do. But I choose not to participate, which is very unlike me. I see. So the thing that happens in families like this, and I can appreciate what you're going through, um, I personally experienced not the same thing, but something similar. Um, it's, and I, I have seen and work with many families um, in these kinds of difficult situations. When there's one family member with a chronic illness, everybody in the family loves them. Everybody in the family wants them to be in the best way and in the best place. But each person has a different approach. And this is where the conflicts begin. And we start to judge the other person and say, you need to do this. You don't care enough about that. You are being the other way. And we're very self-righteous in that moment. And I did it myself. Um, but one thing that I learned after years and, and coming out of that situation and all the families that I dealt with is in fact, to recenter on how each person is because of where they are in their own journey. It's not for a lack of love. It's not for a lack of good intention. Um, it's often for a lack of feeling safe oneself and for um, uh, a lack of the strength to do what, what a person wishes they could do. Um, it's people get really, really emotionally hijacked during times like this. So the hardest thing to do is to give the grace to the others who are being emotionally hijacked as well as oneself, because you're saying normally I behave this way, but now I'm behaving another way. So you yourself are not acting in alignment and in um, character with yourself, in integrity with yourself. And that may be weighing on you. Certainly I think it is on some level. And so you're like, I'm fine, it's great, I'm in a good place but I'm not acting like me. And those two statements seem to have some dissonance for me. Can you tell me what that dissonance is for you? Yeah, like I came in here all singing or dancing that the war with my brother had finished and now it started again. And like you said, dissonance, it is weighing on me at some level, but in my own safety, I choose not to participate yet. You're spot on, Doctor. Dr. Rowe, are you still there? Dr. Roshnak? Yes, thank you. Sorry, I was speaking into a closed mic, of course. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. 
I love doing that. I'm always like. You pick that up. Yeah, I'm out of whack. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And so my question is this for you. And what you said was really powerful. You said for your own safety. And when we consider human behavior, the number one thing we need to consider is whether or not a person feels safe. And the overarching um, behaviors can be seen from that view and that perspective. People want to be safe. They will do things that help them feel safe. And I don't know how risk averse or risk tolerant you are in the specifics of your situation. That's your business and your family's business and should stay there. But, or, you know, somewhere in a, you know, private, respectful, confidential setting that you choose. But my question for you is this, what can you do, do you think, what might be some options where you could still feel that safety, but come into better alignment in your psyche and in your soul with you? Would there be a place or a way or a decision that you could make that could make you feel better about this decision you've made? For example, saying, well, this is my best decision for now. Because oftentimes we get caught up and think, what's the best thing to do? And either I've done it or I haven't. And then we feel either good or bad. Or we can say, this is the best decision for right now and be open to that potential for change of that decision, to be open to potential for change of the situation, to be open to the potential for change with understanding between the siblings. And most importantly, be open to your journey of discovery of yourself and your joy and your blessing and your connection with others as well as yourself. How does any of that land with you? Very cool. The first thing I'll do is go and see my mother in her facility. Um, in regard to the siblings and stuff, oh, do not be, do not be concerned about my joy and where I'm at in life. I'm very, very satisfied where I'm at. But I'll go see my mum. That will be a start. That's the first thing I can do. With the other siblings, well, with my sister, we're cool as Fonzie. With my brother, I won't worry about that for now. And I'm happy with that. Solid. So do you think you could have a little bit more joy that can come into your life? Because when we're out of alignment, we lose a sense of peace and joy and love because at, at their kernel truth, they're the same thing. So do you think that feeling that this is what you need to do right now and that's okay could maybe bring you into better alignment? Because normally you wouldn't do this, but you know, this is an option that now seems to be the one that's called for until further notice. What do you think? I appreciate the intent of stretching and I totally hear that. I totally do. For now, that's where I'm at. That's the best I can do. Um, you know, I'm a, 
money in you and DC Cordova graduate and that sort of thing. So I'll just keep it four foot. I'll keep it easy for now. There's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. But see my mum, talk to my sister, because she is very, very passionate. And her, well, my sister Deirdre <laughs> and my brother do not get on. So maybe I can do some work there. No, definitely I can do some work there. Yeah. That's a beautiful And I appreciate thing. where you're coming from, Doc. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that that probably has spoken to others also in this room because it is a common issue, very, very common. And what you brought up, which resonates with me, if I may, is the focusing on the love. Because when you're focusing on that connection with your mom and that love there and your sister and that love there and her love, and as you guys connect and expand in your love, that makes room, you know, when we become self-destructive, that throws a wide net. When we get, go into a state of being of love, that also casts a wide net. And the unexpected can happen. And the journey is part of the joy and seeing what's going on. So I really appreciate that you explored it and that you are focusing on the love and the connection. Thank you, Peter, for sharing. Thank you, Doc. And thank you. Thank you, mods, gang. It's just the beginning. It's just my brother says, this is the way it's going to be. And we go, mm, maybe not, but that's all right. I'm perfect. I'm exquisite where we're at tonight. Back to you, Paul. Thank you, Doc. And thank you, Peter. And thank you, Dr. Roshnak. What a great conversation. And Peter, we wish you every success and love in the journey that you're on. And uh, all the best to your mother. Um, I remember my mother being in one of those care centers, uh, homes for many, many years, and uh, we have great memories from that. So thank you, Peter. I'm going to tuck you back into the audience. I see that uh, Jacqueline has uh, joined us, and uh, we're going to move on. And uh, we're going to move on to Marae. Marae, welcome. Well, hi, Paul. Hi. I am so grateful to be here. And... Many of some of you know me. I'm usually up and did it. I'm in a place, and that's why I'm here. And I couldn't. Well, I'm here every Saturday, but I couldn't wait to be here. I, and I went to bed last night thinking I'm going to get answers because I'm in pain. But first, one thing I just want to address to you, Paul, and I think you know this. I've been in law of attraction, that which is likened to itself, is drawn for 13, 14 years. And make sure you pick up the book. Ask and it is given. Everything is right there. Now about me. I'm in, I'm in fear. Okay. And, um, and uh, last night, a, a wonderful man was over here who wanted to rent my room because the my rent has gone up. And my roommate that I've had not a roommate, but renter, she's leaving. Okay, she must leave. And, um, and I wanted him so much because he said my profession, brilliant actor from, uh, from another country and oh brilliant we get along we've known each other for a year on clubhouse he's heard me speak he knows what i'm about i know i, I had to say no because he smokes i can't have a smoker and and he wouldn't smoke in the house no but the smell and everything and i had to tell him you know because i have a little bit of an allergy and it's not good i don't want my clothes in the laundry and and it, it it's painful so i'm where i'm coming from right now is fear 
I've already, uh, uh, this room is in my journal. It's in my journal every Saturday. If I can be here, it's in my journal. I will be going back to my journal. I will be doing some of the exercises that I've learned in my law of attraction, put out to the universe what you are looking for in a person to be your housemaid, to, to rent the room. And it's a beautiful house, beautiful area. It, I can't say enough about it. But I'm, I'm in fear. And last night on Arabian Nights, they picked me to honor. And normally I would be, not because I'm an actor, oh, that's, no, but because I'm a full rich person and a happy person and I give so much love to so many people and the homeless and, and my, I give out free dog training things to people who talk to me over the phone and I don't charge. I give, 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 give love. But I'm in fear right now. And when, when they tried to honor me last night, I said, no, please, please, I don't want it. And I know I went, whoa, you're not coming from a good place. And I put myself down and finally I said, okay. So back to what I'm saying, I'm scared. I'm in fear. The, the rent has gone up $400 because like everything has gone up. And I do choose someone to come into my life. And I know what I'm looking for, preferably someone in my profession so I can film for them. They can film for me or we have something in common. I don't want a plumber or a doctor or a nurse. I, I really don't. I, I'm being very specific, like I am with my acting choices. Very specific. But what I really want is a loving person like I am, a kind person. I've had someone, and all I do is give, 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 and I get slapped in the face, and I, I turn the cheek, and I'm just, I'm kind. And I, and I, I have a mentor and she said, I'm going to be with you when the new, when a new person comes for you to interview because you're gullible, you're naive, you're so spiritual and all this stuff. You're not factual enough. And I'm just kind of lost everybody. And I'm totally open. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And I feel lost and I'm happy everybody's here and I'm I even wrote my friend, Dr. Norman Freed. I said, it looks like you're not going to be in the room, my friend. I said, I will miss you, but I know I'll be in the right place. And that God and my higher power will give me and nurture me what I need, to, what, I, what I choose today. And I'm going to walk away with more tools than I had. And if I were counseling somebody, because I do from, from the point of law of attraction, what would I say to me? I'm too close to the trees to see the forest, everybody. So I'm, I'm reaching out for your love, your kindness, your guidance, your guidance, and whatever all of you say will be in my gratitude journal, because I am grateful. And I'm, I'm not showing this emotion because I'm sad, not really, because really because i'm grateful because i know there's help here thank you so much thank you thank you um, everybody Mireille, we're so glad that you are here and uh i'm, I'm going to start off with candace i think candace uh, opened her microphone so i'm going to send it over to her oh well thanks so much paul i think it was actually dr roshanak okay so over to dr roshanak thanks hi Marie. um I could feel your heart. I could feel you and all your emotion. And um, here's what I heard. And you tell me, I heard that what you want is love. 
I heard that you have fear. And fear and love, they're somewhat mutually exclusive. And we get scared that we're not going to be okay. And we start to act in ways that deny the love that we're seeking. So you want somebody who's kind. You want somebody who's loving. You want, But they can't be a plumber. They can't be this. They can't be that. So you want something. And yet you're denying it. You rely on the law of attraction and not on the source of it. You um, want and need, because this is um, something quite practical, and because we're spiritual doesn't mean we're not human, and we have um, our human lives and our human responsibilities and our human desires, and you desire a good, happy life in which you feel safe, as we said earlier, and that means you need someone to come in and rent that room. That person may not be renting forever, but for now you need a solution. And the most important thing for you was somebody loving. So your priorities, it seems, are to get help financially and to find someone that's trustworthy with whom you can align, with whom you can resonate. So why the judgment on the rest of it? Does one person have to be everything or can you trust and have patience and say, I'm gonna take care of my needs. I know that instead of law of attraction, I'm going to open myself up to receive and get my needs met because they will be. And then I'm gonna allow for surprises and as Eleni loves to say, miracles and magic to happen. And I don't know when they're gonna happen and I'm not gonna try to control it all because that's not how it works. But I am going to be in my power, which is my gift, as opposed to control, which is an illusion, and allow and create the situations and circumstances that will allow for, because you can't control who's gonna come in, but you can send in your power and, as you would say, attract in through your essence, through your beauty, through your loving nature, that person will come in and connect with your heart and your soul and yet you know you are smart why are you listening to someone else's narrative if you believe and i'm not saying to falsely believe but i'm pretty sure you're smart enough that you've made it this far in life and if you connect to that part of you because your brain is always computing and allow your brain to do its thing and listen to it and then consider you don't have to jump at a response, but give yourself time and consider and then consult with others. You don't need to keep giving your power away. You don't need to be living that narrative of powerlessness. You could have someone there if you feel more comfortable having someone there, there just for protection and for the interview. But that's something you decide, not from a place of weakness, but from a place of strength, of consideration, of intention. So get intentional, get into your power, get into your heart, allow your brain to do its thing and maybe not be so confused and, and controlling and say, yes, I have fear, but that fear is going to move me into opening up my eyes at, like it did and, and going for what I can get, help, support the things you asked for here. And then, then I'm gonna let it go and move into that space of love. How does that resonate with you?
I've written, <laughs> I've written everything down that you've said. I, I, I plan to marinate on it. Uh, she's paid me the, the month. She'll be out the 1st of August, so I have a little bit of time. And I, uh, thank you, doctor. I, I've written everything down, and I do want to marinate on it. It all, everything you said felt right. It felt good. It, it, it really did. Because, you know, with law of attraction, how do you feel? How do you feel? Everything you said, I, I, it's all written here. Everything you said is all written down. And everything you said felt good or I wouldn't have written it down. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful for what you said. And I thank you. Excellent. I think uh, Candice was next and then Eleni. And I see that Jacqueline wants to add to this conversation as well. So we'll go to Candice, Eleni, and Jacqueline. Candice, you're up. And maybe Candice has stepped away, so we'll come back to her. Over to Eleni. You know, uh, Marie, darling, everything is about really believing in yourself and standing in your own worth. And, you know, everybody on this earth goes stories and fears and insecurities and losses. It actually is part of our growth. The important thing is whatever you're looking for, start manifesting it, start believing in it. Not one person is able to fulfill our needs. It's about us fulfilling our own needs. And once you know your worth and you step into it and you live within the day, forget about looking back at all of the past because you'll get stuck. If you go too much into the future, it becomes unmanageable. So it's about standing in your day every day with the blessings and the abundance around you and just writing all the things that you really want to manifest. The right person to come and live with you, the right person that you'll meet for your future. Everything that we do is all about mindset. And when you actually start being your best friend and living in the joy and the gratitude of the day, then it makes things much, much more manageable than falling into the victim or the fear of that day, but rather than living in the abundance of the blessings that life actually has for you, Marie. Because life has wonderful things to give to you. So maybe step outside of that fear, step into your worth and into your strength, knowing there is a divinity around us and that blessings are here for you to receive. Thank you, Eleni. Jacqueline? Did you oh, want to say something yeah. to me, Marie, darling? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Number one, I always love your voice. <laughs> Number one, I want to say thank you. I've written you down too. And of course, Jacqueline is one of my dear friends and I love her. I can't wait to hear her speak. But Lenny, I've written down what you've said and I have so much to put in my gratitude journal. I will remain listening, but I'm excited to go to my gratitude journal. And, and I had already thought about what you said. I'm going to make a list 
because when I did, when I chose to have a roommate before, when my husband went to heaven and I knew I, I needed to have a roommate, I asked God and I asked God for five things in that person and it came. He had to, he had to leave, go back to New York, but that was after two years. My husband had been gone for three. That was after two years, two years and two months. And he was a great person, but he had to go back to New York. He was an entertainer and the pandemic was over and he had to go back. Okay. So then, you know, anyway, thank you, lady. Thank you so much. And I, I God bless that beautiful voice. I God bless it. Thank you. So you see, there you go. So you already um, have expressed that you had your answers or your manifestations, um, you know, received and you had someone for two years. There's no reason why that can't happen again. But if your mindset keeps going towards the negative, you will immediately put a block on what's there for your future. All I can say to you is be very, very mindful of what you speak over yourself. What you speak over yourself is what you will be manifesting. As they said, be careful what you ask for. So if you stand as you did before and you've already just told me that you manifested it and there it came. So there's no reason why it shouldn't come again unless you're living in that negative zone and mindset where you're just putting blocks on everything. You don't need anyone to tell you, darling. You know it within your own spirit. You've just got to stand of the wonderful Marais that you are and know that the blessings and the abundance life is around. If you keep standing and speaking over yourself in negative ways, you're invoking those things to come upon you. I do hope that helps. Oh, yes. Yes. Negativity, be gone. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Absolutely. <Okay>. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, Jacqueline. Good morning, everyone. So nice to be here with everybody. And Marie, my beautiful sister. Um, first of all, I'm sorry you're feeling in some discomfort right now and some fear. And I think we all understand that. And, you know, I loved, I loved what everyone has said. And I know the book well that, that you are referring to. And I want to remind you of one part of the law of attraction is that you're not going to be able to shift and create and pull into your world until you start. Is how are you going to start shifting how you feel so that you can start bringing We're having difficulty hearing you, Jacqueline, Sorry. if it's not just me. No, yeah. I had a call coming in. My apologies. So, Marie, I just want to remind you, a big part of that book is you need to start moving from a place of fear into that place of love for yourself. And I'm going to offer you a suggestion because it's something that I use myself is could you take some time today and could you use that beautiful imagination that you have? And could you start imagining how it will feel? 
could you take a little bit of time and imagine not what they're going to look like, not who they're going to be, not um, how, how tall, man or woman, whether they're an actor, a plumber, or a chauffeur, or anything else in the world, but how it's going to feel when the right person is living with you. The fun you're going to have, the giggles, the sitting around having tea together, maybe sharing some meals, supporting each other in your life, and most of all, how that love feels. And I think in the first steps of just moving yourself that one step emotionally and moving from fear, moving to how it's going to feel when it's already done is just going to help you right now today so that you can start being really clear of that abundance you want to pull into your life. Because that's what this is, because the abundance is what you need. You're saying to us, I need X amount of dollars to come into my life so I can pay my rent and cover that. Could you also be open that that abundance may be a roommate or could it be something else that you don't even know is coming to you? Could you suddenly win the lottery? Could you suddenly get a job that's going to create more funds for you or could it be another source? So be open to how that feels when it's all covered and the feeling of fear is gone because you know that you're secure and safe, as Dr. Roshnak says, that you're feeling like the universe has your back and you're taken care of. Because that's what we want for you right now is just to move from the place of fear to the feeling of being safe and secure and trusting in what you're talking about. Because right now you're not trusting in it. In a place of fear, you're not trusting that the universe has your back. And that's what we wanna move you into so that it will have your back, but we have to allow it first. I love you, my friend, and you know you can always reach out to me in the back and we can have a chat. Um, but I trust you've got this because I heard your voice on the stage last week and you were, you were all over it and you were riding high and you were in that place that was just drawing everything you needed into your life. And you just need to shift back into that place, my friend. I love you very much. Back to you, Paul. Thank you, honey. I know you do. And you know how I feel about you. And I am going to do that exercise because because it's uh, it uses my imagination and it it will it'll take me it's called visualization and i love i love the art of visualization and thank you for reminding me of that i had wouldn't have thought of that one today to mare go back to the visualization that's what you know to do and thank you i have so many tools here and i'm excited now i i feel different and i i trust i trust that god my higher power, the universe, has my back. I do trust that. And I'm going to move on from there. And and fear, as I said, be gone. I don't have time for that. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for the time and the love that you have given me. And I can't wait. I can't wait to marinate all this and to put this in my gratitude journal and read my notes. And, and thank you for the back channel. That uh, I forget who said it to me, Dr. Oshinek or Alini, I don't know which one, but I will be looking at it. And there's some affirmations. And yes, every morning and every night, I gratefully thank you. And Paul, thank you so very much. Ray, we're not quite done with you yet. <laughs> Jeremy wants. <laughs> oh, dear. Now they're going to roast me. Now they're going to roast no, me. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we just. We just want to have you leave here with just this new energy and vibration that you're going to be sending out to the universe. So Jeremy's going to add to this conversation. Okay. And then I have be careful what you wish for. You wanted love. 
bring it on. As, 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 um, um, she said, bring it on. Well, if, if I remember Marshall, right. Glenn Marshall would say, bring it on. <laughs> come on with it. If come I, on. Come yeah, on. There it is. If I, if I remember right, I think it was about three months ago, I was being a, a kind of a big brother to somebody else. I think it was you that was like, I couldn't, I don't think I could handle a big brother right now. And so I'm going to kind of say this with the same lack of intensity, I think, as I was going to the, the first time three months ago with another thing that I think you brought to the stage. And so good for you, number one, for finding your journey. And I, and I think you've had so much right there. You felt pretty good and complete. So I'm actually going to say this more to the room. And I'm going to allow you to take what you would like from this um, and, and not direct it as much towards you. Because something that we do sometimes is we give up a little bit too much of our own power and control as to what we can and can't have in our lives based on the way that we view others. We are what we do repeatedly. And sometimes, and this is like I said, I'm talking to everyone in the room right now. Sometimes when we go up and we ask even questions on stage, we are like, okay, there's going to be someone in here that can help me. I just know it. There's, there's a power outside of me that I know that someone can help. And I know that, that this, is a, this is the day where things are going to change. And then what you start saying afterwards is, oh, that's right. Murray, I already know that I needed to do this. I already know that I needed to do this. The power is so within you. And then the gratitude that we have sometimes of, okay, now I'm going to now I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be grateful. And then I, that's because I know that if I be grateful and if I follow these five steps, that that's when a boom, a manifestation is going to come into our life. And there's a little bit of part of, of letting go and not trying to follow steps in order to make manifestation work in order to make something happen of like, Oh, this is the love I want in my life. So I'm going to visualize it just like these wonderful people taught me how to do. And I'm going to ask these questions of these people because Murray, the thing I want to say to, to you directly is there's a lot of people that you look up to and you have the exact same power inside of you and the exact same greatness inside of you as, as Dr. Norman Freed. And you have the same love inside of you as Jacqueline does. And I know there's a part of you that intuitively knows this, but if they were to ever ask their mentors, this is a question I would love for you to ask Jacqueline, actually. Hi, Jacqueline, how do you go and ask your mentors and people that you look up to and that you appreciate for guidance? Because I'm guessing it's the, it's the, you know, I think I already have an idea of where I'm going with this, but I would love uh, your feedback on this or, or how you would, you would approach this. But I think I got this pretty good. In, I, I've, I'm excited for what I'm trying to do, but I would love to hear your feedback as well where they, I get, I'm guessing that they don't give away their power as much. And, and so I just wanted you to enforce this to you of like, you have so much beauty and greatness inside of you. And I think you see the value in others a little bit more than you see yourself. And I think when some of those things change, and I tell my clients this sometimes, it's like, hey, you're getting really, you're getting good at asking questions. You're getting good at learning. I also want you to get really good at trusting and being like, you don't need to learn today at all. You don't need to write in your journal today at all. You don't need to do any of these things today at all because you already have it. And I don't want people to get in that stage of I need one more YouTube video or one more mentor or one more coach. And then, then I'm going to be ready for that person to come into my life. Then I'm going to manifest it appropriately. Sometimes it's sitting back and being like, what do I already have that is so cool about me to deserve it? And what are the things that I appreciate? And we talked about um, comparisons earlier. What are the things that I appreciate in Dr. Norman Freed? And how do I have those things too? Why do I, do I see that he should have a love of his life? And do I not think that I should have the love of my life? And why? And if there's a way, if there's a physical or a mental or emotional thing that's there that you can work on, that's the cool part. 
this is like I said, it's for everyone in the room. If there's something that you see, a dichotomy between you and the person that you look up to, if there is a thing that you could work on to change that would help bring that apart, maybe it's more confidence in your in your in your physical appearance, maybe it's more confidence in your speaking appearance in your speaking ability, maybe it's more confidence in something. If there's something you can change, that is so cool because it is something that is under your control of how you're gonna feel the next time you show up. Next time you show up in front of the person that you like, the person that you care about, or the opportunity that you want. And so I just wanted to put that power back into you a little bit as Jacqueline was kind of trying to do, as Dr. Roshanek was trying to do. And that's what coaches do is they see it in their life, or in, in healers, in therapists, they see it and they're just like, oh, it's, it's already there. It's already there. The power's in there with you. So I know I talked a little bit long on this one, but I know this is really important. And like I said, even if you've already been so complete today that you don't hear any of this, that's totally fine because someone else in the room might there might be one little thing that sticks with you that can help going forward. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for the time. Thank you. And uh, King, over to you. Thanks so much, Paul. Uh, Murray, just a couple of things I want to touch on, just uh, because I, in the beginning, I uh, kind of heard, um, it almost sounded like you are you were stressing yourself out to the, uh, because you're afraid that once you make a decision, it's final. And I just want to, you know, kind of remind you that you can always change your mind. I mean, and especially if you're looking for a tenant and they don't work out, you don't, you're not stuck with them forever. So, I mean, don't stress yourself out so much about looking for the absolute perfect candidate or making the perfect decision uh, that you basically freeze yourself into inaction. And so just keep in mind that you can always change your mind. Obviously, if you're signing a lease or something, make sure you add that into the lease, but also talk to the person that you're, you know, that you're speaking of. And I want to bring also back to the first uh, person that you said was the perfect uh, tenant, except for the fact that I think it was because they smoked and definitely that is a big issue. But I also want to bring up think about whether or not like if that person is perfect every single way and you know there's maybe just that aspect of it is there something that can be done to um to to accommodate that situation i mean obviously as you said you do have allergies and so those might be issues but if the person maybe never smokes on on the premises never i I, once again i i don't know depends how sensitive you are to it whether or not any accommodations can be made there to sort of do that um but at the same time too if that person is like as you mentioned you know that you know probably uh, perfect except for maybe that you can always try like as long as they understand that you know what you really want them but this might be an issue these might be things that we can do but it might not work out as long as everyone's expectations are um are in the same line I think that helps a lot in sort of just you not feeling so stressed because oftentimes I think, you know, like, you know, obviously you don't want to let them down if you, you you know, if they think they found a place to stay and you don't want them to feel bad. You don't want to ruin this great friendship that you've established with them as well. But I, you know, but I find usually as long as the lines of communication are open, as long as you're in the same path, same, you know, as long as you keep talking, keep the dialogue going, it's usually okay. And I mean, and obviously if they're, you know, they're your friend, they don't want you to be, you know, they, they don't want, you know, to hurt you in any way, like with your allergies or anything and, and, you know, just mental stress. And so there's, you know, there, if there's possibly a way there, then I just, you know, maybe that's something to investigate a little bit as well, because it did like, just, I, it did sound like you, you know, you thought that this might work out. So that's just what I wanted to mention there. And also, as I said, just to, you know, just to remind yourself that your decisions, you know, you can change your mind. You can always change your mind. So don't stress yourself out over thinking, oh my God, once I make this decision, I'm stuck with it. You are not. 
you can always change your mind about anything in life. We grow, we change every single day, and so our opinions on things um, uh, evolve, and so you can always change your mind. Don't create these sort of imaginary prisons for yourself, let's say it. So, um, and if you do, you found your way into the prison, you can always find your way out of it. So just remember, you always have the choice. The power is always in your hands. So that's us. what I want to add for you, Murray. Thank you. And uh, Murray, did you want to add something? Well, I, thank you. Thank you, King. You know, we, we, we know he, he's, he's a dear, he's very near and dear and I care for him and he comes over and I film him and he'll film me. Yeah. No, he understood completely. He understood about the smoking. Yeah. Because if you bring a smoker into your house, your house is going to reek and, and he wouldn't smoke in the house. No, he's a beautiful person. Yes. And thank you for what you said. Thank you. Thank you very much. Everybody. I, Thank you. I mean, it, it, this took so much time and, and I've gained so much. And my bottom line is, Marais, you know, you're a beautiful, fantastic, wonderful, generous, loving, giving person. Now own that power. Thank you. That's the bottom line when I, besides all the other wonderful things, but that's the bottom line that I got out of this. And that's what I want to walk away with. And thank you, everyone. I really humbly thank you. Eleni wants to add something. Yeah, you know, Murray, remember it's your power. It's your home. And I have a house and I rent a room and it's wonderful. But occasionally I get people that it doesn't work and that's fine too because it wasn't meant to be for them or myself. It's very simple. You just let people know the ground rules because it's your home. You say, look, if you want to smoke outside in the garden, fine. You just can't do it in the house. You know, whatever your stipulations are, you just let them know. And all I can say to you is, darling, stand in your own power. Take your power back because... I know that you're looking to us, but the answers lie within. And when you gain your power and you know your worth, then really, you know, you're no different to anyone else here. It really is about knowing who you are, standing in it, and then just watching how the magic becomes. And it just becomes wonderful because you're creating it. Thank you. And yes, uh, that uh, was very helpful as well. Thank you all moderators and Murray for bringing this uh, question up. And, and also, yeah, I, I agree with Eleni is that uh, as long as we have rules in place uh, that if you want to smoke, there's a place, there's a designated place and it's away from the house and see what happens there is always uh, a possibility to bring up if this seems to be a really good choice for you. And as long as he or whoever it is respects the fact that you have rules and they abide by them, there shouldn't be a problem. But again, as King said, things are not always permanent. We can always change it. Hey, you're not living by the rules and regulations. Uh, it's time for me to look for somebody else. That's just a thought. Uh, Murray, we wish you every, every success with this. And I know that Again, as Jeremy said, this is not this is not geared towards you specifically, geared towards everyone who encounters fear, and we all do at some point in our lives with certain things. We have to remind ourselves one very important thing. There are certain things that we can control and certain things that we cannot control. 
So when fear strikes us, we have to remind ourselves, okay, what is it about this that I can control? Because there's certain things that are not within my control. I'm going to go back to COVID when this first started. Everybody was afraid that we're going to catch COVID. Everybody was afraid that they might die or whatever. Whatever we entertained in our minds as to what if or what's the greatest fear here. And many of us kind of fell into the trap of staying in fear as opposed to saying, okay, certain things I cannot control. I can't control this. But what I can control is the way I respond to this. I can take a couple of deep breaths and say, okay, why should I imagine the worst? And I'm not going to. I'm going to focus on what I can control. I can, I can control my emotions. I can control the way that I look at this. Using COVID as an example, I can control washing my hands, keeping a particular distance, just taking these precautions. These are things I can control. I can also change my mindset. Don't have to focus on the worst. Uh, if it's something that we're looking for, uh, a tenant or a roommate, uh, what is it that I can write in a great, uh, a great um, not article, but uh, uh, what do you call it when you're looking to, uh, to put something out there? Just, hey, I'm looking for an ideal person. This is what I'm looking for. If that's you, come on up. I can control that. I can control what I bring into my life and the thoughts that I can bring into my life. I cannot control what others do or some outside circumstances. Just focus on what you can control, focus on your mindset. And when that, when that fear hits you, take a couple of deep breaths and remind yourself, you've got this. You are greater than the circumstances. You're going to figure it out. It's going to work out. And we can take control of the things that happen to us by just resetting our minds. And what I mean by that is that when our mind strays to the worst, we can reset it and just say, I've got this. I can control the way that I respond to this. It's really important that we do take those breaths. So, Maria, I hope that that has helped you. Um, I appreciate everybody's conversation here. That was a big one. And uh, how do you feel about all this? Ah, <laughs> I feel my power because I know, and I know Jacqueline knows especially, what I stand for as a human being. And I love what I stand for. I really do. And I'm just grateful to everybody. And thank you. And you can put me down. You can help put place me down in the audience. I'm very happy. I don't know how to work. Well, no, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll put you back into the audience gently. Put me what back. we usually say yeah. gently, right? Yes. Oh, my Oh my God. I just got a note from Dr. Freed. I'm going to have to hang up. You got okay. it. All right. And good luck. We're going to want to hear from you again about how this is going for you. Right before we go to Michael, I just want to say thank you very much, everyone. You are in the Take Control of Your Life Club. It's that little green house on the top. If you like the conversation, if you want to be made aware of any of the rooms that we open up, just click on that little green house and join our club. Uh, we have wonderful people, as you can see, who join us and who just add to the conversation. You are in the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage room. We're talking about how we can take control of that negotiation. We are our own hostage negotiators. And if we are taken hostage by thoughts, 
that don't serve us, by thoughts that disempower us, that thoughts that are, are sabotaging our well-being. It's time we negotiate them the heck out of our minds because we are the, the tenants of our thoughts and we get to negotiate our way out of negativity. That's what this room is all about. My moderators are amazing people, as you can already tell. So please do follow each and every one of them. Do so here, do so on Instagram, and keep the conversation going. You're welcome to join us every Saturday. We pour into people, and we are so appreciative of everyone who comes up or everyone who is in the audience who chooses not to come up. We have 83 different uh, conversations going up. Well, add additions to the chat and it's amazing. I don't get to check it out too often, but what I do see is just brilliant. So thank you very much for that. We've got 15 shares on the room. That means that 15 more opportunities or many more have been given to people to come into this room and to experience the joy and the knowledge that we get from these conversations. So thank you once again. Michael, so nice to see you again. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you because I've been doing too much talking. Over to you, Michael. No, I wouldn't say you've been doing too much talking. I would say you've been doing plenty of sharing of wisdom. Um, before before I get into what I'm going to share and an insight on this topic, um, I, I will digress and say sometimes, Paul, this is for you, it's easy to see illustrations in others like we can see very clearly those of us who know glenn that some people have their life path and their broader contribution path and legacy path like that's broader than just the career path and i think this was the first time i may have been in this room early enough to hear it from the start and as i listened to you share the summary of key takeaways i think paul you're also in that category of people that have a greater contribution and life path beyond just that part of your career path so i wanted to acknowledge you and mention that um with with that said a couple of the um the key responses to beret were naturally transitioning into an observation I'm going to make at, at something about the the risk of and how to avoid self-sabotage that I've noticed showing up in the past month or so in my life that I think's broadly applicable for for many. Um, I have noticed that life is not a suddenly you hit the destination of of self-awareness and enlightenment and you got it rather i've noticed that life it can be more like a spiral staircase where wait a minute i've had this experience before i've had these challenges before it's showing up again darn it why and yet in the metaphor of the spiral staircase it's well we're at a higher level now because of what we've learned to date, are we better equipped to handle this same situation showing up again with a greater level of awareness or in the context of the room, reduced set of, of self-sabotaging or reactive behaviors. And I've noticed this is, this pattern is, is in my face the past few weeks, uh, you know, by way of, of illustration, things are flowing 
very nicely this year in in my outcomes and new businesses I'm laying the foundation for the the, the outcomes I set every year that that move me more into alignment with my life path and in some of our core businesses our laundry services that are um that are you know were something i entered as a means to an end not as part of my life path to allow more time with family and parenting i have in order to take these next steps been able to operationalize and offload and and delegate you know so that my time minimum have gone to to nearly nothing, right? Oversight and direction. So everything's flowing. And as I am preparing to take these next steps in the new ventures, you know, from foundation laying to real active engagement, I have noticed in the past few weeks, the number of triggering things showing up is just like, where is this coming from? You know, the people being charged by their own stuff that it feels like could get out of control and and make the laundry services harder the the neighbors you know getting peeved at where the vans are parking the employees making upset the banks making it harder to do deposits the irate customers that are just like i'm gonna go to yelp and destroy your business my wife came down with you know, and she's doing fine with shingles, which is a rare, you know, recurrence of for those the, you know, that goes away, but needing extra support for a month, etc. Me being down with a cold, fortunately not COVID, etc. etc. I'm not saying this to whine. I'm saying that the number of like prods and pokes and tests to say, okay, Michael, are you going to become reactive? and get into confrontation and fear or are you going to like take a breath and say everything is unfolding perfectly i can handle these challenges my survival is not a threat all is well it's unfolding and so i don't think i'm alone in this i think this is a and then i'll yield to see what insights this this prompts and the moderators I think this is a pattern in avoiding self-sabotage, that the same types of things that trigger us come back around in incidents again as we are higher up and ready to then take that next loop to an even higher place in our self-awareness on the spiral staircase. And to, to be wise and not let it trigger you and just take that breath and okay i got this as somebody said and uh i notice this pattern showing up right now as i'm about to take my next steps and i think i'm not alone and i heard it in what marae was saying uh too so that's that's what i'm throwing out there as food for thought for the moderators to to jump on and expand on your mic Wow, Michael. Oh, yes. Uh, you are definitely uh, touching on something that a lot of people go through, especially entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship is not easy. Owning a business is not easy. It's not for the weak. And I love what you've said about the spiral staircase uh, being on a higher level. But yeah, going back to the thought patterns of why is this happening again? Why am I falling into this 
mindset of, of taking on so much of this negativity that it could affect the way that I actually produce. Before I add any more to it, Eleni would like to, uh, to jump in and I'm going to send it over to her. Yeah, I look, it's very simple in life. If you don't learn your lesson, you'll keep going back to where you started from to learn that lesson. You know, everything in life is about learning and growing. Sometimes we have to step outside of those patterns if we keep repeating them to be able to understand how our mindset is because again, it really does go back to one's neurons and the mindset of how one looks at themselves. And, you know, if something keeps hurting you, then why would you keep doing it? So it's about learning from it, growing from it, stepping outside of it, recognizing it, and then being able to break free of it to move to the next level. Now, my father was an empire builder we were always, always dealing with lots of different issues. But his answer was, there are only new prob probabilities and new opportunities. There are no obstacles in life, only new opportunities. And if you don't address them in that way, then they will become obstacles and you'll be stuck at the first gate. So, for me, it doesn't matter what it what comes at me. If I'm within the day, I ride the wave, whether it's good or bad, I'm learning from that experience. And once I've learned and I know what to avoid or not to avoid, to see what the triggers are or whatever it is in any scenario, if you learn from it, then it's about not allowing your mindset to pull you back into that place. Um, you know, like many women may end up getting abused and they go from one guy to another that does the same thing because they're not learning their worth, they're not learning those parts within themselves to take back that power. So it's about taking back your power, recognizing, standing in what you're learning and watching for when those things come at you again, because there's always, always going to be little signs and wonders from the universe. Thank you, Eleni. Uh, anyone else? All right, I, I would like to add just a little bit too. Michael, you brought up such a, a powerful conversation here about how to handle things as an entrepreneur. And I know many entrepreneurs who uh, face the challenges that you face and you're not always gonna please everyone. And again, it comes down, I believe, or in part, and this is only in part, to the things that we can control, the things that, the vision that we have. What is the vision I have for this business? And am I doing everything I possibly can to make this vision turn out the very best way that it possibly can? Once we have established that we are doing what we re are required to do and beyond, because entrepreneurship is a 24 hour a day job, it's not easy. You're not always gonna please everyone but as long as you take a look at what you are doing and that you know that you're doing your very best, then the opinions of others who may want to bring you down or whatever should not matter. The only opinion that matters is your very own. It comes from inside you. 
when you examine your business, when you examine what you're doing. I can't control the fact that people may not like where the trucks are parked. That's just part of business and we see it everywhere. I can't control what this person is thinking or what it is. And if there's something that I can change because it makes sense in my business, I'll do that. But again, it comes down to what you, what your vision is, what you do and putting your very best self out there. And we're not always going to please everyone. That's the thing that we have to remember is that people are going to have opinions and everybody's got one and they're entitled to theirs. They may be wrong, <laughs> they may be right, we don't know. But what matters is our own opinion about what we're doing, what we're putting out there. And for any entrepreneur in this room, uh, me being one of them, I know it's not easy, but we do the very, very best we possibly can because we are creating our own, uh, our, our lives, our livelihoods. We are working at creating a livelihood for ourselves. And that's not always easy. Michael, is there anything that you would like to add or something that you would like to, to say? Yeah, um, there is something just one level deeper on that, but please uh, allow me 30 seconds to recap because I think this was relevant to, to Murray and she left for Dr. Free, didn't hear what I said and came back. So I just wanna to let her know that what we're talking about here is the concept that similar patterns or incidents or challenges may show up in our lives and trigger us, but we are going up a spiral staircase. And so we are at a higher level of awareness to perhaps notice how we reacted the last time the loss of the roommate, by way of example, came up and then, hey, can we can we be a little less reactive and, and have the higher level of awareness? So I just wanted her to hear that because I think it's applicable to her. The one thing that I would add just really that's, that I'm aware is under the current is that the reason that the, these um, different incidents are so triggering for me, you know, like, and, and I'm prompted to like, okay, this is going to become another heightened, you know, conflict, you know, thing is that I'm so ready to, while while the laundry services businesses continue to grow and double in size and prosper and stay on the path they're on, be on to, th to other things. And so it the fear is that these things are just gonna take more of my time to manage and pull me away from, you know, the more lucrative, uh, you know, real estate fund, the more change the environment, you know, uh, you know, environmental technologies and so on. And that's the reason that, yeah, it would be very easy to say, okay, that, that we're short on parking passes compared to, and the, and the, the gym owner just got triggered and he called the police and tagged me. You know, he's not responding to me. Okay. I'll manage it, no big deal. But the fear and why it's triggering is I so much don't want more, forgive me for saying this, knucklehead stuff, because I'm aware that what's going on, there are major environmental changes in the world and my gifts are better served, not by the knucklehead but stuff, but by contributing to 
the technologies and solutions for the environmental and I don't want to get pulled back into this stuff and yet it's so the impulse that comes up is yep this is going to escalate and become a thing again um, so I suspect I'm getting long-winded here I suspect that it is the fear in me of losing control to the situation that is having me not just brush it off and then and say okay this is going to be a minor thing not a big deal it'll get handled because there's the fear of losing control to it i think that's why it's so triggering right now and i get it yeah um i wish there were something that i could say that it would make this a little bit easier but Oftentimes we, uh, sorry, Michael, I'm just going to add this. Oftentimes we imagine the worst and we focus on the worst and it, it's all right to examine the worst and to be prepared for it. But there, again, that's something that we don't know is going to happen. And what we can control is what's happening now. And, and I think that that's what we have to remind ourselves is that what can I do in this moment that will make me feel better about the situation and get me beyond that. And uh, Michael, uh, I saw that you wanted to add something. Is there something else that you wanted to add, Michael? No, no, you said exactly what I was alluding to, which is I see how easy even for someone who's mindset aware like me to go to fall into that. Okay, this is going to be escalate and become a worst case scenario when there's no evidence to that. Uh, you're completely spot on. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for that great conversation. I appreciate that. It's so true. And I'm going to just tuck you back into the audience there. Uh, we often imagine the very, very worst. And consequently, we spend so much energy thinking about what if, what if this happens. And that can drain the energy out of us. So Yes, you can take a look at it and have a game plan. If this happens, I'm ready for it because I've planned for it. But to focus on it and to spend all our energy just sucks the energy that we have in the moment. And the moment is what really matters. The future is something that has not happened yet. It may or may not happen. We can plan for it. And as COVID-19 has taught us, all plans can change. And the imaginations that we have about the worst scenario can also never manifest. It can never happen. It may never happen. So focus on it to design a plan, but don't focus on it to spend your energy in the moment. Your energy in the moment should be focused on what you can control. And one of the things that you can control is your mindset on things. So thank you very much for that wonderful conversation. And I'm going to go right over to Paul, who's been waiting very patiently. Paul, uh, welcome to the stage. The microphone is yours, sir. Oh my God, I'm here. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. Um, I will start with the poem from Yeats that I went ahead and uh, texted into the chat. And first off, actually, thank you very much, everyone, for being here. It's, it's a big deal for me. Had I the heavens embroidered claws and wrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim of the dark claws of the night and the half light, I would spread the claws under your feet but I, being poor, have only my dreams. Tread softly, because I have tread my dream. I have spread my dreams under your feet. 
for me, I'm the kind of person that has my son in a backpack with me uh, while I'm walking down the street, pushing a stroller with my other son with my waist, a uh, cup of coffee on my left hand, and music on my right hand with my phone while I am practicing doubling numbers from one all the way up to a million uh, just as a game. I currently write 2,000 to 3,000 word articles a day professionally. I've started an English school here in Thailand that started from three, t three students around a table, a plastic table at a university student, and I've, I've grown it to about 1,500 hours of class per month that we do, helping people of wide ranges. We charge as much as humanly possible to people of wealthy demographics so that we can offer free or subsidized pricing for classes for students that can't afford it. Uh, for example, there's a guy applying for a Facebook interview and there's no coding teacher that has the ability in English to be able to teach him how to pass the interview. And we so we charge him $5 an hour to coach him to do that. Whereas it costs like 60 to $70 an hour to coach anyone else who wants that. I'm North and South Korean, one of the few that you will ever meet. My father was from North Korea. Paul, he, uh, Paul yes? I, I, forgive me for uh, jumping in. Is there a question here? Because we, we have to get to the question. Is there something that you want to ask? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. I just wanted to get into it. And the question I have is going to be, what do you do when people in your life see you progress and grow and they act differently than your, how they're supposed to support you, I guess? Um, the question is going to be, I've, I've built a team where I try to do all of these things. And right now, I've gotten to the point where a couple of my team members completely ignore me uh, and try to build out these things. And I just don't know right now. Uh, I, I joined this room here negotiating your way out of self-sabotage. And I'm at a point right now where I wonder if I should completely reset everything, um, fire everybody actually, and completely start everything anew. And that would be sabotage. <laughs> so, so my question here is going to be, what do you do when you have all of these different scenarios happening in your work, in your life, and there's so many complicated scenarios and how to figure out everything, and you're growing, and you're growing, but then there's all of these things that help you and bring you down at the same time, and how do you deal with all of that? That's, that's my question. I'm sorry. Wow. Thank you. No, no, really no. Paul, that's that's a wonderful and uh, wow, what a uh, what a package to uh, to open here, uh, King. Did you want to start uh, right off the bat? Sure. Yeah, just because uh, I did uh, quickly sort of uh, read some of the things that you wrote there uh, in the uh, room chat there, Paul. And from what I kind of understand, so you have people that are working for you um, either as employees or maybe some of them might be uh, uh, on volunteers of some sort, I, I, I think it might be. Uh, and they're not contributing positively. I mean, they're not, it sounds like they're not doing their job. They're not contributing positively. It sounds like you've already, I mean, the first thing obviously is, uh, would be to talk to these people about, you know, what their expectations are. If they, 
if they have a certain function to perform um, and they're not performing it, obviously, you know, like any job, you get, you know, you pull them aside and say, hey, look, this is what's expected. And this is, you know, what, you know, what, what you need to do. And this is, you know, how I feel about it. And, you know, you basically get the warning. And if, but it does sound like you've had this discussion with these people and it sounds like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It sounds like they're, if, you know, they're just kind of doing whatever they, they want. And maybe that might be, you know, a combination of perhaps they've, you know, they, 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 they don't want to be doing what you want to do or, and, or, you know, they've gotten too comfortable in their, their, you know, in their positions, they think they can do whatever they want to do. But as you said, at the end of the day, you're the boss. I mean, unfortunately, if someone isn't doing what you've hired them to do, what you've brought them on to do, then you replace them. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, it sounds cruel and it sounds mean, but if you've hired, you know, the example obviously would be if you've hired someone to be a cashier um, at, a, at a at a store, but they've decided, I don't want to be a cashier. I want to just design all the displays and someone else does the cashier, you know, is the cashier. Well, that might be nice. You know, you want to support them in some way, but ultimately you hired them as a cashier. You need a cashier, you know, the situation there might be a little bit different in terms of you know what hey you know when the store is not busy and when we don't you know when there's when there's no customers there perhaps you can do a little bit of display work on the side but those are the reasonable accommodations that you make but in this case it really just sounded to me unless i'm missing something that they're just not doing the job that you that that they're brought on to do they're not doing the job that you need to do and then unfortunately in those situations i mean you're not being mean for replacing them they've kind of put you in a position where you have no choice in the matter you don't want to do it but you have no choice in the matter because in order for you to advance your business um for you to be able to advance your goals, you kind of need people that are going to row with you as opposed to against you. So that's just my quick uh, sort of thoughts on that. And uh, let me know if I've missed something there. But uh, that's where I want to start with. Most definitely, sir. I, I, I appreciate your analysis completely. Um, and I'll give you a little bit of the background knowledge there. It's pretty much where I've built a system here where it's 160 hours of work per month. That's a 40-hour week. 25% of that is supposed to be to build out the infrastructure. 5% is for our philanthropic aims. And the rest of it is to focus on our teachers. And the the uh, complication is going to be that five years ago, I started out offering free classes to temple schools here, which have the lowest funding in the world, pretty much. And my team used to come with me on their days off to teach. And everything was beautiful and great for years. Something happened after all of that. And it's where I live in a very nepotics in society here where it's all based on who you know, not on the capabilities that you have. And it's a little archaic and it's a little third world. And I, I do feel a little ashamed in admitting that. But, you know, it's it's that... What's happened here is that this particular staff member has engaged in life coaching with a particular family and that child cannot manage their lives and he has received side funds from this family and started to change the way that he works. And I love this guy because he's helped me build everything. And you know, the phrase that comes to mind and I'll I'll leave it for questions and insights after this is gonna be to me, A hater's fuel is sweet, but having loved the hater 
it's a bittersweet poison. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Sorry, I, I know Candice wants to go, but I just want to add something very, very quickly. Uh, thanks for uh, um, mentioning that, Paul. The only thing I will sort of say just quick, very quickly is the fact that a toxic employee ends up being toxic for the entire company. Slowly but surely, the, the toxicity will, will spread. So just keep that in mind, you know, and of, of course, you know, if employees have been with us for a while, they almost be, you know, become our friends, almost become part of the family, and you don't want to sort of, um, you know, affect that in any way. But, uh, but sometimes maybe for the, you know, the good of the, the company, if it's a situation, if it's an employee that you, you know, you've tried to uh, address things, you tried to fix things, and it just, you just can't rein it in. It's quite possible that in these situations, other people in the company are feeling as well, but they don't want to say it because they realize this person might have a relationship with you. And they, you know, everyone's keeping quiet, because I know, as some of the organizations I've been in, people have been hesitant to let people go, um, not realizing that they were poisoning everyone, like everyone kind of, you know, was being affected by it negatively, not just the, the, uh, the leadership there. And sometimes, you know, the, the best thing to do for everyone is to uh, sort of take care of that situation before, uh, before it spreads. But anyways, Cadiz. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much, King. And Paul, welcome to the room. And thank you for asking your question and being here today. And really, King touched on pretty much everything I, I was going to say as well. I'm just going to expand on a couple of his points of wisdom and really starting with the aspect of culture. It's absolutely the research shows, Paul, that most people leave an organization because of a toxic culture or a toxic environment. And it's not specific to the role or the responsibilities, you know, that the person is performing. So toxicity does expand throughout the organization. So it is something to be aware of and, and keep an eye on. And the other point that I wanted to expand on that King brought up was being a leader of people um, is both probably the most rewarding part of being a leader and also the most challenging. The people part of any organization are the organization's biggest asset. And sometimes mitigating through, you know, people challenges is tough, but part of being a leader is to own that and to manage it and to performance to performance manage it really and having difficult conversations is part of being a leader and it sounds like you've had to have some of those already so the next part of it is what are the consequences and if you're trying to performance manage this specific employee if we're not taking next steps then we're allowing the behavior to continue and we're almost enabling the behavior because just speaking to the employee with no further actions or consequences um, you know, isn't going to show any results. So I would just question, you know, beyond the conversations, what have you identified as the next steps for this particular employee? And I guess my last point is you had spoke about that you, you know, have a lot of admiration for this person and um, this person has added a lot of value in the past. And so it is hard when we form personal relationships with our employees or other stakeholders or colleagues or other business owners to separate our emotions from making the right decisions for the business versus the right decisions for the employee. But again, going back to the culture of the organization, it really is about focusing on what's the best thing for the business and the company at large. 
And so, um, sorry, and I said that was my last one, but actually one last thing is, is I'm sure within your company, you've identified what the core value is, the core values are, and the mission and the vision of the organization. And I would imagine that you would want, including yourself, all employees and people associated with the company to be brand ambassadors of those values. And so if this person is not, you know, no longer showing or displaying some of those values, then it's also maybe, um, you know, a reason for you to look at, is that person still a value to the organization? So I hope some of that helps and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, Paul. Candace, thank you so much for your insights and King, Paul, everyone, seriously. Uh, it's to answer your question. Um, it's that I have the current situation now is that he has blocked me on our team communications <laughs> and, um, it's where to give you a perfect example today, I introduced a new team member who is a wonderful 58 year old Australian man who needs funds now. And he has this beautiful English to share with the world. He also wants to be a musician. It was wonderful. Uh, I also hired a teacher who is willing to work at the public school at the temple school in the heat without air conditioning to 30 kids who just don't have any money at all to really just try to open up some barriers of entry to them. Uh, so right now the thing is is that i go through all of these positive positive great things throughout my day and then i see these little insidious measures of how he tries to make sure that the system is good for so that he has his compensation and he works well with my wife who is the actual owner of the company and i'm like this uh this janitor of a cloaked figure behind of it all um because that's where i prefer to be and so that's a constant source of frustration that I don't really want to deal with it anymore. Other than the fact that it's, it's where I love my students and we really focus on helping people attain their goals. And that's why we're such a different Institute than almost every educational society. <sighs> Cause it's one-on-one -on -one, right down to the micro and the granular aspects of what each person needs to progress in this world, find what they need and help themselves when they can't help themselves. So Paul, <sighs> yes, have, go have ahead. you had this discussion with your wife since she is the head of the company? Yes. And that's part of the concern and difficulty because it's so convoluted and difficult that I don't it's that it's it's really difficult for her you know like like i opened up with the kind of person i am with the morning and it's kind of different for most people does she not see his behaviors or does she not see any issues with his performance behaviors whatever it might be she sees it and you know like we we have a family that we're raising and a business that is doing well and like there are certain things to be overlooked i suppose and like i i have to either sacrifice these things and let them go and close one eye to them as they say here which is a, the equivalent to sweeping things under the rug and certain things are just i just I, like it it just really grinds me underneath and i just gotta find sure. a way to not sabotage everything and that's why i'm here that that's okay no yeah i mean you're obviously trapped in a really really tough spot here is this the problem employee we'll call him 
is he like okay maybe i'm misunderstanding is he so fundamental that if he's not part of the business the business will collapse no that's the thing is the only thing that's stopping me from doing all of this stuff is the impact of students and him um i mean for i mean it's it's difficult when you know obviously you're 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 the one in the situation i'm not so it's there's definitely a lot of things that I'm I'm sure I'm not seeing, um, and there's a lot of things that I don't have to consider because I'm not emotionally involved. But just from a third party being unemo- like just kind of looking at, at at it from an unemotional angle, everything to me just sounds like this employee just needs to go. I mean, and unfortunately, this person right now has manipulated themselves into a situation where I mean, if if they're if they're even able to basically you know kind of turn you and your wife against each other, like almost put you guys in a position where um, you you guys can't make a decision that you both agree on together. I mean, that's a little bit frightening to me. Um, and it's, and and I I don't know whether you know we all want to be good positive people you know and 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 we want to do good things but we also have to keep in mind that we don't want people taking advantage of our kindness i mean because the um the the thing you know people often think about people that are nice as they think they're they're you know that uh, they're they're weak and don't mistake in kindness for weakness and don't you know don't think of your kindness as weakness if this person is a problem it might be a, a problem in the short term to remove them. Um, it might think, make things uncomfortable. It might make things um, inconvenient. But I ultimately do believe, I mean, if this person is causing this much stress with you just on a professional level, and then if it's, you know, if it's something that, like I said, you're having difficult conversations with your wife about this, it's starting to seep into your personal life. I kind of almost feel like the, you know, the, the simplest you know, not the most convenient solution, but the simplest one might just be to eliminate what it is that's causing all this trouble. I mean, and I definitely want, you know, everyone else here to uh, add, because sometimes I, you know, perhaps I'm looking at it, uh, things from too logical perspective and I'm not factoring enough sort of the intangibles around it. But I just almost feel like this one person, I don't know if they're worth creating as much stress as they have for you and your business because ultimately it hurts the people you're trying to help it hurts you know your you know the, the way that you know uh hurts you, your family life i mean it just sounds like it's it's there's way too much um that's it that it's that's impacting negatively for it to you know to stop you from doing it you know for any short term things that it might disrupt uh, so that's just my sort of uh, two cents on that. So I just uh, I'll open it back up to yourself and everyone else on this uh, on the stage here to comment on. Okay, um, Paul, did you want to respond to that? Only gratitude, and I'm looking for advice, and I'm uh, I, I always try to profess that I'm a good listener, Cub. Awesome. Okay. Um, Jacqueline or Dr. Allison, uh, did you want to add to the conversation before I? Okay, perhaps not. Paul, uh, I know that this is something that you mentioned that, uh, hey, I just don't want to deal with this, or that's the feeling that you have that you don't want to deal with it. But the truth is you have to deal with this at one point or another for your own wellness, for your own um, mental wellness, because it is a stressor that you don't need. Uh, Candice was bang on, as was King. 
is that there are certain things that we have to take control of. And if there is something within the organization that is toxic, we have to deal with it. Now, I am going to refer to a wonderful staff sergeant of mine who ended up becoming a deputy chief. I was a police officer and he was a staff sergeant. If there was something that I wasn't living up to in my job, he would call me into his office and he would always start off with a compliment. Yeah, hey, Paul, I really like the way that you do this, do this, do this, and do this. However, there's something that I've noticed here that can, you know, that you can improve on. So it was always, it was telling me where I could improve or what I needed to change, but also making me feel valued in that. And I believe that in every organization, and I commend you, wow, starting a school in Thailand and starting with three students and just building it up to what you've you've done. How amazing is that to give the gift of education to people who need it? I, I commend you for that. Uh, being recognized uh, for the work that you've done, it sounds like you haven't enough, but you know the value that you're giving to the world and to these students, and that that's powerful. I believe in starting every or any kind of job with a mission statement. What is my mission statement? And writing a mission statement down. And anybody who joins the organization have to be in agreement with the mission statement, as they do with a contract of expectations. This is what I expect from each and every employee. And how I'm going to reach that is that from time to time, I'm going to call you into the office so that we can talk about how it's going with you, the organization, any concerns you may have, any concerns I may have. And it may be one of those situations, Paul, where this employee X needs to be called into the office if, <laughs> and it sounds like he's blocked you. My God, I can't believe that he's blocked you from some of the conversations. That in itself speaks loudly about his respect for you. And he should not be doing that at all. And that is a big, dark, uh, dark spot in, in this whole thing, is that if he's blocking conversation that, uh, that he should not be doing, that's something he needs to be challenged on. And avoidance is not the answer. Uh, and I know that you're in a difficult situation because your wife has a, a connection with him or she feels a certain way about him, but it comes down to what's best for the group. And don't, uh, what's, how can I put this? Everybody is watching and a lot of people are watching what you're going to do next and how you're going to do that. And I, I believe that we have to be the very best selves that we are. In fact, I'm going to rephrase that. We have to be our very best selves, but we also have to take control of a toxic situation and make a change. And if that means having a conversation with this individual and having Mr. X uh, just, hey, this is what I'm noticing. This is what needs to be changed. And if it doesn't, I'm going to have to move on and just let you go. And I don't want to do that because you've been such a great part of this organization and I see so much value in you. However, I need to move on and I need to move on with positivity, not toxicity. And I think that that's something that we all have to do is recognize where the, where the, problem is, where the toxic uh, environment is, and take control of it. Because if we don't, it's like going into a garden where we see weeds growing, 
and we don't cut the weeds off. If we don't, they're going to continue to choke the great plants. And that is the vision that you have for this great school. So taking control of that and doing something, it has to be done. Whether that is a conversation with him, a one-on-one -on -one closed door conversation in which you value him for what he's done, but then address the problem that needs to be addressed with an ultimatum. I think that that uh, would be the way to go. Any one of my moderators want to add to that? No? Okay. Uh, yes, Dr. Allison, please. I just think all the advice has been so amazing and it's, it's really difficult being an entrepreneur and starting a business and finding your, your in-group, you know, the people that are on the same page with you, share the mission and vision, and then having that outer circle of individuals who are working for you, but are not that trusted cohort that you rely on. And it sounds like, you know, and King had some beautiful advice and I really enjoyed listening to all of the wonderful input. I would add that, um, you know, sometimes people who are seemingly problematic can be brought on board. And it, as Paul had mentioned, it's, it's this, these conversations and because your wife is, you know, more friendly with this individual, it could be almost a, a, a meeting with three of you because he obviously has some, some issues. And so bringing your wife into that meeting might help, you know, calm down his effective filter and make him more amenable to opening up to these things. But as Paul had shared, if he's detracting from your mission and vision and from your ability to do your job and to help these kids. And I was in education. That was my first career, my second career. Um, and I went from teacher to administrator and I understand. And um, although we were under state and county and city rules, so there were certain boundaries of behavior that had to be enforced. And there were some that we couldn't control. It's so important to make sure that there's that structure involved um, and to get people the minute you see people acting as their own agents within your company to re rein them in much sooner so that you know that you, you have this group of individuals who have the vision, share your vision, share your mission. I was on the founding board of a STEM Academy in Hollywood and you know bringing that to fruition and it's still going strong and we have kids who we've placed at prestigious ivy league colleges these are kids who are immigrants whose parents had never finished you know elementary school to make that kind of quantum leap and those changes takes a dedicated team of people working together and you need that and it's okay to request that from your team and so I wish you the best. I think you have the best, um, you know, ideas for these kids and helping, you know, and educating these, these children, which is so important for them moving forward. So I would say keeping that as your goal um, and not, um, when you're trying to bring somebody on board who has been a problem, the issue is a lot of times they already have a chip on their shoulder. So everything you're going to say is just going to be like Teflon. It's going to go right over them. So having one of their allies in the room will help translate because you might say something and they're not going to listen to it. They're not going to take it in because they already 
have rancor towards you. But if your wife is there, she can almost serve as a translator for what you're saying as the ally to what he needs to hear. And so it's important probably to have that conversation with your wife first. So you've had some great information here, Paul. I wish you the best. Thank you all. Paul, did that help? Yes, thank you very, very much. I, I have an idea of how to move forward. And right now what I'm thinking is that I request his brother that is also on my team who handles all of the admin to set up a meeting where he has to come. Um, and it's that we have to sit down and talk about this. I can't message it now because it's about 1.30 a.m. right now, but I'll, I'll do it in the morning by email. And it's, it's that sit down that really outlines all of these different things and brings everything to a head. I, I understand. I, I just, when it comes down to the approach, um, I, I'm still confused. <laughs> Well, there's a lot to uh, to consider there. We've, we've bombarded you with a whole bunch of things, and it's 1.30 in the morning for you, so you must be tired. And I, I know I'm speaking for myself at 1.30 in the morning. I don't always think that clearly, but you've received a lot of information. There's an action plan here uh, that you can implement. And as Dr. Allison said, getting somebody else on board, uh, and you said his brother, which is a great way of doing things. Think about it, sleep on it, and just consider what information you've received here tonight, uh, this morning for you, and come up with an action plan. Um, King mentioned a little bit earlier uh, in another conversation that nothing is permanent. Uh, we can always change things. But right now what I see is that there is a toxic problem. This man was great. He was instrumental in the very beginning of the uh, of this organization and bringing this to life. He has value, but he's gone and he's changed. And he's changed for his own service and not for the service of the school. And he's blocking you and he's doing certain things that are choking the progress uh, of not only the school, but of you. Uh, he's, he's bringing this stress onto you. Hiding from it and not dealing with it is not the answer. The way in which you deal with it is imperative. How you deal with it, and we can deal with conflict as opportunity. And I've written about this in a book uh, called Badass Guide to Conflict Resolution, is that conflict is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to approach something and build a better relationship. And the fact is, if you put this in motion, this meeting, and it doesn't work out, it's okay. Because you will know at the end of the day that you did your very best to make it work. And we cannot always control the behavior, thoughts, or actions of others. And again, I'm going to say this because I believe in it. The only thing that we can control is what we do, what we think, how we respond. And it is a response. It's not a reaction. You have come here. You have opened up. And I, I applaud you for that courage it took to come up and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Any thoughts on how I can deal with this? And now that you've received this great information from my moderators um, and, and your own input, my God, you're, you're, you're starting to think of solutions and approaches. And that's what it takes. Now it's time to actually put it into action. Sleep on it tonight. Tomorrow morning, 
write down before you even write that email. I would recommend that you write down a bunch of thoughts that came that came out uh, in this conversation here today, and that you think, okay, which is the best? Which best describes me and how I would like to approach this? And then craft that email in such a way that it invites people. Paul? Thank you very much, Paul. <laughs> I, I, I have taken enough time here and I think I have enough to move forward and I appreciate the support group mentality because it's something that the internet and the world affords us these days to find like-minded souls that are looking at how things improve. Uh, much of the time when I look at my life, it's kind of like looking at 10 people. And it's looking at two people working really well together with lots of resources and doing quite well in terms of wealth disparity. And then the eight other people are about 50 kilometers away from them, looking at them with a completely different sort of set of resources. And it's just not fair. And nobody's looking at it. Thank you, Paul. King. Just something quickly I want to add in there, Paul, uh, just while as everyone said, you know, just, uh, you know, once again, examine the issues, obviously come up with any possible solutions and those are obviously the things that could change. But what you have to sort of and what I think the problem is, is right now that person doesn't respect your authority and they don't see you as being able to do anything like you have no power over them. You need to get them to take it seriously. So if if your wife is the only person who has power over over them she needs to be part of the process i'm not saying that she's there you know to to uh, you know she, once again how much uh how much uh, of a role she plays in this you know it's obviously up to the situation up to her but she does need to understand that there are possible consequences and that they do need to take this seriously so that's the only thing that i would mention because at this point it sounds like you've been trying to sort this out on your own and unfortunately that person does recognize that you or whether it's true or not they don't believe you have any power over them. They don't believe that they have to take you seriously. They don't care about you. And they and and from the way they're behaving right now, they've, you know, reinforced the fact that you have absolutely no power in this. So why do they have to care about what you're saying? So no matter how finely crafty email is, unless they need to take you seriously, unless they need to listen to you, they're not going to. So that's the only thing. That's the final thing that I would just add in there. Thanks, King. Uh, Paul, we would hope that you come back next week and let us know how uh, your week unfolded and what you did and how it was received. So thank you so much for that wonderful conversation. By the way, you've got a DJ's voice. Just thought I'd say that. You've got a radio voice, my friend. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Same time, same place every week. You got it. Same bat channel. All right, moving you to the audience. Thank you so much for that great conversation. Just as a, a summary to is that sometimes we have to have those difficult conversations uh, and the way in which we approach those conversations is ultimately going to result in either a good result or a bad result, how we handle ourselves. And unless we take control of our business, of our lives and say, okay, this is not working, I need to do something about it and then step into the action of doing it, then other people will walk all over us. We cannot allow that. That is self-sabotage to allow somebody else to choke us out. And we can step into our greatness. And sometimes we have to let some people go.
It's uh, the same in relationships. It's sometimes you're dating someone or in, in marriages that are not working out. You have to take control at some point and say, this is not working out. Let's see if we can make it work out. And if it can't, we have to move on. It's especially true when you are the lead of an organization with a vision and a mission and something is choking it out is that we need to take that, that step. It's not going to be easy. We need to take a couple of deep breaths, come up with an action plan and do it. And sometimes that means letting go of people that need to be let go of. And just either you are with me on this vision, on this mission, or you are not. And if you are not, thank you very much for joining me. What you did was amazing. Really appreciate you, but I have to let you go. And on that note, wow, uh, we have had a long day here. And Jacob, you have been so patient. I want to thank you for your patience. And I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Over to you, Jacob. No, thank you all. That was it's been a great conversation. Um, I'm Jacob. I'm coming here from Toronto as well. Um, super cool to be here. Um, my question is about smoking. I smoke um, and I feel like I don't evolve or habit change. Um, I don't like transition to more skillful um, activities, even though like I know, I know. And I'm like, well, do I want to? And then it's like, okay, well, I know I do it sometimes. So maybe like I don't care as much. And I'm like, okay, well, even that is like a whole judgment process. And I'm like, okay, maybe I could just chill. <laughs> and then it was okay yesterday. And I'm like, I could just continue to make small transitions. Um, and that's okay. But I do notice that I do um, a lot of like self-criticism. Um, and yeah, even, even in the expectation that like I want to evolve faster or like uh, switch my habits. Um, do you know what I mean? Because then I'm like, oh, well, what I'm doing is not good enough type of thing. But but that also comes with like the understanding that, oh, it's not great for me to smoke. It's just straight up not. Right. Um, and yeah, but I like still do it because, you know, like uh, uh, coping mechanisms, I would like to uh, get better at dealing with stress. And so, yeah. And then I kind of form it around like smoking. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. But then it could, I don't know, it could kind of stem off into any behavior or habit, really. I'm like, I'd like to also eat healthier, you know, um, and, you know, exercise more, um, but not exercise too much because um, that can also happen because, like, I, I've been playing sports for a long time as well. Um, and, like, just, I don't know. And then it comes back to, okay, well, what are my like those are all kind of coping mechanisms sometimes some are healthier than others but it's just like i have to be better at just like the fundamental philosophy or psychology of just like it's okay it's okay to um i don't know and and of course like um i don't know but it's like it it, it could be a permanent mistake right it's like eventually if i continue to smoke um there's a very clear trajectory for that sort of behavior right so it's like um so it worries me kind of that's where the worry comes from because it's like hey you got to stop like um i don't know yeah so, so that's it so nice to see everyone great to be here that's it
All right, I'm going to start off with Dr. Allison, then go over to Jacqueline, but you brought up a great topic, and I'm sure that we're going to get a lot out of this conversation. Dr. Allison, over to you. So, Paul, what this all has in common is the same brain function. So when people have these addictive tendencies, these are all um, powered by the reward system in the brain. And what happens is that as we do our behaviors, uh, we reinforce, um, it's reinforced in the brain. Sorry, my belly is grumbling right now if that's what you heard. Um, <laughs> And uh, so what happens there is that um, genetics and epigenetics play into this. So what happens is the part of the brain that makes you feel good, whether it's nicotine or dieting or shopping or gambling, whatever practice you're engaging in, um, even exercise, um, you're firing. Um, not only part of your, you get a little hit of uh, euphoria, some adrenaline, some uh, dopamine. And then what happens is your brain gets used to it and then wants to do the habit again, which is nicotine. It could be um, eating a certain food when you're under stress. It could be exercising when you're stressed. It could be gambling when you're stressed or shopping when you're stressed. And what happens is then um, your brain gets used to that and it becomes a default. And then what happens is you need to do more of it or you need to do it more often or, or higher doses to get that same feeling because you're not utilizing the brain's neurochemicals on its own. And what happens is that then your behavior gets impacted because in order to get that same feeling, you need to do the behavior again. So it's, it's a, the brain body behavior um, trilogy has to be addressed. But I, I would say it's so hard to um, do all of them at the same time. So it sounds like the, the smoking is the biggest issue for you from what you've been sharing. And it's always good to get a team around you. And I would talk to your primary care provider because there are very well-researched ways to taper off, it's titrating down your nicotine use with, with things that can help you. You don't have to go to cold turkey anymore. There are supports and structures to help. Um, there are organizations or therapies that can help you. And, and once you start changing the brain, the brain starts back channeling and utilizing its regular forms of of natural opioid-like chemicals, neuro, neuromessengers and neurochemicals that you tap into um, and you can use to um, re-engage with healthier behaviors and reinforce those healthier behaviors. It takes time because your brain is used to doing things a certain way. The brain becomes conditioned to um, release these neurochemicals, neuromessengers, when you um, behave in the old way, because that's what the brain has, um, these, your neurons, the synapses have been grown with these old behaviors. And so to change that takes time and dedication and patience and self-love. It's, it, it, it takes time. It's not a one and done for many, many people. And relapsing is a very natural part of this process because you're, changing brain structure. And what happens is the neurons and the synapses take a while to break down because what happens is as neuroplasticity, the neurons and the synapses break down, but then they have to grow again. And if you recall, when teenage boys are in their growth spurts, 
the reason why they're so clumsy is that the muscle fibers grew faster than the neurons and the synapses. And so it took a while for those to catch up. So this, in the same way, when we're changing behaviors that have been ingrained and adapted and adopted, it's going to take some time. And people, what happens is they get frustrated because they want to see quick results and fast results. And that's where we see people falling off the wagon and losing the faith. And so that's why it's so good to surround yourself with um, a team of caretakers and, and people who are on the same path. And it doesn't need to be a nicotine path. It could be somebody who's, you know, detoxing off of alcohol or drugs or gambling or shopping or gaming addictions. Um, but they all work in very similar ways. And there is hope. But I, I think what the best thing to do in my experience as a clinical psychologist, and I'm, I'm not acting here as your clinical psychologist, but is to choose one um, to work on at a time. Because then what happens is as you find success moving through one, then you can co-opt the next one in. And then you have more success. And then it becomes this wonderful experience of cascading um, improvement in the brain and the body and the adaptation and the reinforcement and adaptation of the brain and the neurons change. And that's when the epigenetics kick in and you change your environment and things become easier. So that, those are my uh, two cents for you. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that was wonderful, Dr. Allison. Jacqueline, did you want to add? Thanks, Paul. And that was such a beautiful answer. Um, Dr. Allison, what a gift you gave everybody here by having your expertise here. So thank you. I wish I had heard that um, about eight months ago when I quit smoking. So Jacob, I'm just going to give it to you from a different angle, and that's from a person who has come from that place of addiction in the past and, and not the brilliance of our, of our beautiful Dr. Allison here um, because she has a level of expertise that I don't, I can only come and share my experience that I just recently had. And I struggled with smoking for a lot of years. Um, I was that person that Dr. Allison was talking about where it was, you know, it's been back and it had been back and forth with me uh, for many years where I'd be on and off um, at different times of my life. And one of the things that I heard in you, Jacob, when you were first sharing was, you know, you wanted to evolve. And for me, a big part of this journey for me has been exactly that process. And um, I made a decision for myself. And I'm just going to invite you to think about this for yourself. Is I knew that for me, as much as smoking is a physical addiction, and I understand that the nicotine controls it very much, I knew that that's a short period of time for that part to be over, that your first worst time is like your first three days, and then after that, it gets easier. Um, so what I decided that I was going to do, it was really for me, it was, it, it had to be mind over matter. I knew I could get past the physical discomfort, and it is uncomfortable. Um, but I knew for me that it was all about how could I begin to actually control my mind over this matter? Because for me, it's all of those things Dr. Allison was just talking about, right? You do it at certain times. You do it after a meal. You do it when you get in the car. You do it when you're having a cup of coffee, whatever those things are for you. And for me, it was if I actually wanted to, for me, evolve as a human being. I wanted to evolve spiritually. I wanted to 
understand that when I sit in meditation, if I couldn't get over smoking and the mind over matter of smoking, I knew that when I sat in meditation, I wasn't going to be able to get over my, my mind in general. I wouldn't be able to calm myself down and truly take control of everything that was going through my head if I wasn't committed to being able to control my mind when it said, go pick up one of those cigarettes or go pick up the vape and smoke. And I knew that was my greatest hurdle was the mind over the matter, all of it. So I loved everything Dr. Allison had said. I wish I'd probably gone and done some of that in regards to the support systems to at least, you know, the weaning of the nicotine was very difficult on my body. But when I had mentally made that decision and I didn't trade it out for anything, it was every time I felt like that craving and it like washes and still does today, washes over my body, I would stop and I would start to just breathe through it because it's like any other emotion that we go through, they come in waves and then it goes. It's like anger. Anger comes and then it can go. And it's the same thing with these cravings is the cravings will come and I know if I can just sit through it and get through it for two or three minutes or move my attention to something else that I would be able to get through it. It was literally for the first three weeks, it was a moment by moment experience for me to get past it. But this is exactly what, you know, when we talk about meditation or, or the Buddhist monks or the Tao philosophy, it's a moment by moment experience for all of us and choosing exactly what we're going to do in each and every moment. And so the beautiful part about letting go of this habit for myself is it truly taught me to live in the moment and how to get through each moment in my life. And so it's, it's made me stronger. It's made my practices in all areas of my life stronger. It's made me more mindful of everything that goes on in my life. And I didn't trade it for anything else. So I, I realized it, it was a soother for me. So I didn't trade that soother for something else either and created more balance. So I created balance in my exercise. I created balance in my routines. I created balance in my mindful practices and my meditation practices so that everything became more balanced and there wasn't the extremes that I was having before. So I would just invite you, take a look at where you're getting stuck in this. And first of all, convince yourself this is a mind over matter thing and go out and do all of those things that Dr. Ellison suggested to help the, the physical sensation and helping you get through that part. Um, when we do it, it, I gotta tell you, it's been the most rewarding experience for me this time because this time I know I've got it. This time I know I can do it. And I'm really excited for you and I, I, I'm here. If I can be part of that support person for you, please feel free to DM me. And I'm happy to, to stand by you, do check-ins, you know, encourage you and cheer you on as you go as well because I want all of us to be able to choose the healthy, balanced life that we all want. So thanks, Jacob, for bringing that because I know a lot of us have struggled with it. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. I really appreciate that. All right. Um, Jacob, I would like to add to this conversation as well. I love what Dr. Allison and Jacqueline both said. And as a former smoker, I know where you're at right now because I used to smoke quite a bit. And for me, I thought it was releasing stress. It was more of a habit than it was anything else. It wasn't really an addiction. It was a habit. You'd go around, people have a couple of drinks. They were smoking. I'd go out and I'd have a few smokes, buy a pack, come back home. And it became a habit. And like anything, we can change and modify our habits. We can actually get rid of bad habits and replace them with good ones. What helped me was chewing gum. 
two words, chewing gum. I went out and I bought a couple of packs of uh, chewing gum. And whenever I had the sensation, the, the desire to smoke, I would pop in a, a, a piece of gum and, and chew that. And the first day was tough. The second day was tough. The third day was tough. But as it went on, it got easier and easier. And I remember going to one particular karaoke spot because I loved karaoke. And there, we used to gather outside uh, during sets and, and, and singing and such. And I was surrounded by a bunch of smokers. And, and one woman there who was a dear friend, she would smoke. She was a chain smoker, one after another, after another, after another. And she used to say, oh, I'm going to die uh, young because I'm smoking so much. My lungs will be, you know, part of a scientific, uh, you know, expose or whatever she would say and everybody would laugh ha 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 uh, she was doing herself a lot of harm as everyone who smokes does uh, but she gave it up just like that just as I did because we made a choice and choice is that six-letter word that means so much and the question that we have to ask ourselves is how bad do I want it what you've mentioned Jacob is the self-sabotaging thoughts that you have are really sucking the energy out of you. And when you look at it, it's because of the things that you want to change. But the question then becomes, how much do you want it? How bad do you want it? I'll give you an example. In my living room, I have this guitar that I've had for 20, 25 years. It's a, it's a beautiful guitar, but it's collecting dust. I always saw myself playing this guitar, but never took the time to really commit to actually learning how to play it. I can sing well, but I have not committed myself to picking up that guitar and putting the work into it because I made the choice that it wasn't that important to me. Other things have taken priority. When it comes to our health, how bad do you want it? Do you want to replace those negative thoughts with, hey, I can? And this is where the importance of changing the narrative. I want to be a non-smoker. That can be replaced with, I am a non-smoker. And when you tell yourself the I am statements, I am better than my circumstances, I am a non-smoker, then you tend to live up to what you tell yourself. If you tell yourself you can't, you're right. Hey, I can't give up smoking. It's just this thing I go to and it's just this, this addiction that I have and it relieves my stress. Well, if you tell yourself that in your conscious mind, then your unconscious mind will obey. They'll say, yeah, you're right, Jacob, you can't do this. No possible way. You just don't have it, man. But if you replace that with a, I am a non-smoker, I am greater than my circumstance. I don't have to do this. I'm gonna grab a couple of sticks of gum, have gum when I have this feeling, and in a week or two, and believe it or not, I don't know how long it took you, Jacqueline. It probably took me about two weeks to three weeks to actually not uh, go back to it and feel that I had to. And it's three weeks or two weeks or whatever it takes you of really good stuff because you can change. You know, the, the, when you think about the what this smoking does to you uh, mentally, for you, 
it's that challenge is like you're you're beating yourself up i'm smoking i wish i could stop i wish i you know it's these self-sabotaging thoughts i'm not living up to who i want to be oh this is terrible i'm i'm going for another smoke and and all these things can be changed with the i am i am a non-smoker i am greater than my circumstances i'm not going to give in to the smoke i'm bigger i'm stronger than this i can do this and the same is true with getting back into health, exercise, whatever. I've told this to a number of people in this room, I've told this, I've shared this with King as well, is that back in 2001, when I was instructing at the police college, a picture was taken of me uh, along with the students. And we didn't have digital photographs back then. It was like they'd take a picture and then they would send it to you a few days later once they developed it. And I was sitting along with my students. And when I got that picture, I looked at myself Good Lord, I was 193 pounds back then. I'm uh, I'm five foot eight, and I was 193 pounds. I looked at my face; it was big. I looked at my belly; it was big. I looked unhealthy, and I felt unhealthy. That picture did it for me. That picture made me decide that never again will I fall into this this non-productive individual. And I made a commitment right then and there to change my circumstances, to change my body, to change the direction and the course of my life. I'm still five foot eight and I am 158 pounds as opposed to being 193. That comes from commitment and choice. And when you put your mind to it, take a picture of yourself or a picture of someone else that you would like to put on your vision board and say, here's a non-smoker. Here's a person who is in good shape. Here's me. This is me. And this will be me in X number of weeks or whatever. And then commit to taking small steps in the very beginning. You don't want to overwhelm yourself, but commit to maybe buying that pack of gum and then saying, all right, I can do this. And it's only one day at a time, only one day at a time. But I am a non-smoker. I am fit, I am worthy, and start using those as a replacement for the self-sabotaging thoughts that you're having right now. Because those thoughts and those habits are dragging your energy out and you are greater than your circumstances, Jacob. I know that you can come back in a week from now and say, hey, done a week without smoking. I know you can. And I challenge you this week to start, start, you just pick up some some gum that's what helped me jacqueline i would love to find out how long it took you to to break the habit uh for me it was about three weeks and uh jacqueline do you remember how long it took you maybe jacqueline has stepped away or uh this app has been glitching all afternoon uh so jacob what do you think about that oh man just awesome um wonderful i was thinking about bruce lee <laughs> where like the picture um or i was like i wonder what like my lungs look like um ah uh, yeah yeah just um the commitment just making the commitment it goes it kind of reminds me of jacqueline's uh, mind over matter um and that's totally what uh uh, Dr. Allison kind of like outlined, it's like, yes, I need to make a choice and it needs to become more important to me if, and, but without like the, the, 
judging because it's like I, I feel it's like kind of important and then I like make excuses for it um, here and there but it's like I know I really want to um, and especially like ah, I don't know like, I, like I, I, I know it physically impacts me I know for a fact so it's yeah just I gotta I, I'm looking forward to trying this week um, there was a big exam I was studying for and it was kind of stressful and I used that as in, like my newest excuse um, and then I'm like, okay, well, after the exam, I'll stop. Um, and it's like, and now I want to take another exam. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, there's always going to be something. So it's like, it just fundamentally, I gotta, um, just, I don't know. I'm thinking of how Jacqueline said, just breathe it out. Just and make the out. decision and make the decision. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give you two more piece of, um, information that you might, that might help you. So years ago, I was a science teacher and there was a, um, a an exhibit called Body Worlds that was uh, begun in Germany, I believe. And it was people who had donated their bodies after they passed away. Um, and they were, um, ex they were uh, put on display. Um, so scientists, medical doctors, but also the public could see the musculature of the body, the organs of the body. It was, it was, very um, stimulating for some people. It was very upsetting because these were real human bodies who had been plastinated. Um, but what what struck me is of the original exhibit, which were German individuals who had passed away. Every one of them had black, small, tight lungs, or either lungs with big open spaces, which was is emphysema. And when they um, did a new version of it, and they used mostly um, Chinese uh, individuals who had donated their bodies for science, the lungs were beautifully pink and very healthy. And you could see the difference in how smoking just destroyed the, it became a piece of necrotic black thick tissue or open like a spider web so that they couldn't breathe anymore. And you could see the differences because the bodies from uh, from China, uh, from Japan, uh, Germany were very much younger, some of them. Um, and the lungs were just horribly um, destroyed. Whereas the bodies from China, you know, even the older uh, individuals who had passed away had these beautifully pink, lovely lungs. And the other thing that helps for some people is to take all the money that you buy cigarettes with and start a, a cigarette money jar. So every time you're gonna smoke, and let's say it's a, a pack a day or whatever, take that money and put it in a jar and look at the money start to accumulate because when people start realizing how much money they've been spending on cigarettes, they are able to take the most amazing vacations. So that might be an added incentive is taking that money into a cigarette jar and then saying this is for a Mazatlan or this is for Paris or wherever you wanna go and, and use that as the incentive because then when you get there, you can say, oh, I can do all of these sports now because I will not be short of breath. I will be able to walk all of these, you know, places because I, my lungs are now healthy. They are pink and delicious and healthy. And you, another visualization is at the very um, 
the functionality of the lungs is at something called the alveoli, is where we, uh, the human body exchanges oxygen and carbon dioxide. And these beautiful little alveoli, so there's these little sacs, right? So it's the, um, the bronchi, the bronchioli, and the alveoli. And you can imagine these beautiful little circles of deliciousness exhaling and exchanging the oxygen you take in for the carbon dioxide and then going outside and breathing the carbon dioxide onto a plant because a plant uses that for its life. So then you can say, I'm helping change the dynamics of the flora in my immediate surroundings because everything that I exhale, they can use, they're going to use for respiration. And the more I can provide healthy exhalations to the plants or the trees outside my house, the better we can control global warming. I mean, you could really just, you know, make this a huge thing and just, you know, whatever it takes to change that mindset that Jacqueline was sharing is going to help you. So it's really about finding what resonates with you and using that as your impetus. So I hope that helps. I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Allison. It's like the infinite butterfly effect. It's like, yeah. Yeah, I love the conversation here. It's so very, very true. And it comes down to choice. And for you, uh, Jacob, um, WWBLD, write that down, WWBLD, what would Bruce Lee do? Take a picture of Bruce Lee. (laughs) Become water, my friend. When water is poured into a pot, it becomes the pot. So become the pot. Decide what you want and just become it. So if you see yourself as a non-smoker, become the pot. Just just go and just do it. No more excuses. Just no more, hey, there's a test coming up. No, you're stronger than that. It comes down to choice. How bad do I want it? Do I want it bad enough? Yes, I do. When it comes to exercising, folks, if you haven't started exercising, it's all right to exercise for 10 day, or sorry, 10 minutes a day. Just, uh, you know, start out with light weights. You don't need to do it right off the bat. You know, you don't need to have that, that body right off the bat. It takes time. Everything worthwhile takes time. Just start. That's the important thing. Make the conscious decision to make a change in your life and then do it one day at a time. Lao Tzu said the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And J. Paul Nadeau, me, I've added to that. And I say the important thing is to take the first one and keep moving forward. So Jacob, in your, in your challenge, in your journey, make the decision that you are greater than the cigarettes, whatever it is, and just start to take that action. Uh, replace it with gum at first and you'll get rid of the gum too and just say, I'm greater, I am a non-smoker, and live up to that. And I hope that this conversation has helped. Dr. Allison, Jacqueline, thank you. Um, Gandhis, who was here earlier, thank you. And Jacob, did that help? Yeah, I feel I feel inspired. I even just wrote down on my calendar for tomorrow because I already wrote stuff for today, and I already spoke today. I was like, no smoking. So I look forward to next week. Hopefully I can give a positive report and just thank you so much, everybody, for the conversation. Thank you very much for coming up. And uh, I'm going to move you back into the audience. But yes, for everyone here who may be challenging uh, or challenged with uh, smoking or even drinking, it comes down to a choice. It comes down to what you uh, decide that you want out of your life. 
And uh, again, uh, it's, uh, it is taking that first step and living up to what you tell yourself that you are. And the WW, uh, <laughs> WWBLD is uh, what would Bruce Lee do? Because uh, Bruce Lee was the first uh, one that came to Jacob's mind as his vision board. And so when you ask yourself, even if you look at somebody that you admire, and you say to yourself, okay, what would they think? Or what would they do? How would they handle this? And a lot of people in Christianity say, what would Jesus do? And uh, so when we, we are challenged with things that we feel are a little bit overwhelming, let's take a look at somebody we truly admire and just put the WW and whatever their initials with the D, what would they do? And then live up to what you will do, what you can do and what you are capable of doing, and you are capable of great things. I am going to end the room off very shortly. I first want to thank my wonderful moderators who are here. We said at the very beginning of this room, I wonder if it's going to last an hour because it is a holiday weekend for many of us here in North America. Uh, it was Canada Day yesterday. It's the 4th of July weekend for our American friends. And uh, for all of you, I wish you the very, very best. And thank you for coming up, uh, my moderators, and for every speaker who has come up here today. I admire the, the courage that you had and the shares that you've given. It was a remarkable room today. And we've all said this, that whenever we close this room, each and every one of us have something that we take with us, a little bit more encouragement, a little bit more inspiration, a little bit more insight. I love the fact that we have such vast amounts of, of energy and information coming through this room, because I'm a better person for having come to this room every week. And for each and every one of you who have been in our listening lounge, Thank you so much. There are 173 uh, lines of conversation in the chat. That's amazing. That's awesome. 17 shares. That's awesome as well. Thank you, each and every one of you. As we go for our week, this wonderful week that comes ahead of us, and I say wonderful because it's a choice as well. What happens to us is something that we choose to respond to or react to. So I'm going to ask you to respond to life and not to react to it. To take a moment when things are challenging, take a couple of deep breaths and just say, okay, what will I now do as a result of what's come? And then just move forward with confidence and beat that self-sabotage. We were talking about a number of different things here today. It comes down to really examining our narrative. Is our narrative outdated? And remember that nothing will change if nothing changes. What I mean by that is if you continue to live in the circumstances that you are without taking action, nothing is going to change. If you don't make that decision to stop smoking, to stop drinking, to stop a toxic relationship, or to have that tough conversation, then nothing's going to change. It's not going to change. And so we have to remind ourselves that we are in control and we need to take action along with the thoughts that we have. And so that's what I would like to say. And uh, I, I regret, Barita, uh, you left the room. I won't be able to reach you this week, but I invite you to come next week and we will take you and, uh, and deal with you as one of the first if you raise your hand to do so. So I thank each and every one of you in this great room. 
and I'm going to close the room off in just a few moments. So let's unmute and say our goodbyes. And I'm going to close it in 10, 9, 8, 7, Bye, everyone. Five, four, Bye. Three, two, one. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 